In fact, oh. it was invented by Joseph Notepad in Welcome to episode number 149 of Grumpy Old Ben's for Monday, April 5th, 2021. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where over the weekend, 34 shot, 7 fatally, summer's coming. And from America's left coast, where Facebook has had their largest breach in years, but nothing of value was lost. I'm Ryan Bimrose. But just, just data from the people using Facebook. Well, it's okay. Facebook lost stuff of value because they were hoarding that data for the purpose of selling it to marketers, but it's all information that is already out there. It's, it's stuff that you already like. If you put this information into Facebook, then clearly you don't value it because you're handing it to them to do what they will with. Uh, I, you sent me the article from AP news and I read it and it was, it was, it was dry and clinical and, and had all of the important information, but I don't like information. I like sensation. And, uh, so I went to have, I been pwned.com. Yes, me too. Had <laughs> it, it just, here's, here's the, the important statistics about it. Uh, the breach date was actually the first of August of 2019. Um, but it was only added a couple days ago because that's when it was found. On a website, somebody's just like, oh, yeah, we've had this up on the website forever. Two 2.5 million uh, compromised accounts, according to Have I Been Pwned. But according to AP, 500 million Facebook users. So I don't know how those numbers square up exactly. I'm not sure. And I went in and I have a email address that I use only for Facebook on a custom domain. So, I mean, really, everybody, if you can, that's one of the beauties of having your own domain. Is you can just do Facebook at or Twitter at that way. If the email address gets out, that's you're only using it for one service anyway. I mean, granted, they yeah. can then guess what else you have. But most of my email addresses, well, even if, my if a human looks at it, well, yeah, which that rarely happens. My Gmail only had one on the list of have you been pwned, but I put in an old Yahoo address into this and uh, the list is quite Impressive from Adobe in October of 2013, uh, whatever the anti-public combo list is, Bolt, which I don't even know what the hell Bolt was in 2017, Cafe Press, um, Sido Day Collection Number 1, a Creative Labs leak, a Discuss, the uh, commenting, you know, one of these things they used to have, I think they're still around, to allow people to have comments on things like blogs and all that, a Gawker leak, a Last FM leak. A LinkedIn leak, Modern Business Solutions, My Heritage, MySpace, Reverb Nation, River City Media <laughs> Spam, Star Tribune, Tumblr, and Verification.io. All of those show that this Yahoo address, which is why you use throwaway emails. Yeah, just in the time that it took you to read that list, I like I wandered off and ended up getting a new cat. I they, they, all of this stuff is these are just sites that uh, that have had data breaches out there and 
people trust sites on the internet. They're like, Oh, well I can just put all my information in here and, and it'll be fine. And, um, even if you, even if you trust Facebook to not do anything nefarious, even the biggest website in the world, um, they can't keep their data safe. No. Everybody is, which is why you and, never share passwords and be very careful about any data that you share that here's, can, can be bad. And here's, here's the list of compromised data from have I been boned uh, uh, in this particular breach. So if you were on Facebook uh, in the first of August, 2019 um, and you got ended up in this breach, you, uh, what is now out there is your date of birth, email address, employers, genders. I like how it says genders, plural. Well, you can change um, now. That's it. This is the world. Well, can- yeah, apparently you can have more than one. Oh, is that a Facebook thing now? I think so. <laughs> they, they want to be inclusive, you know. Facebook has a, I mean, I, I understand lots of places have a field where you can put gender and a lot of them, they aren't, it is in a drop down with only two entries. It's, you know, fill in the blank. It's, it's put down whatever you want. And I'm, you know, uh, microsexual maybe today and tomorrow it'll be different. Um, but it's new on me to have that be like, enter as many genders as you need. <laughs> yes. Well, um, yeah. You want to be inclusive. And then geographic location, name, phone number, relationship status, uh, pretty much all the things that you put into Facebook. Um, that information is now available to people who aren't Facebook. So in case you went ahead and put it into Facebook, because sure, you don't trust hackers, but you do trust Facebook. Well, the hackers have it, too, now. And they can use it against you, which is what you have to remember with the schemes that come out, whether it be. Phishing, you know, which is fairly simplistic and most people understand. But some of these leaks also included things like your phone number. So you have to really be aware that somebody could be calling you up saying they're from your bank or something else and have some pretty personal information on you, which they will use to try to scam you into thinking, oh, well, these must these people must be legit. They've got this, this and this. Always understand anything you put online could come back to haunt you i I mean the the list that i just read um doesn't even include the real gold mine of data which uh the the ap article did not say this was in but i I, so i don't know if this was included in the breach or not but the real gold mine in facebook data is not just the the biographical demographic data that about you and each individual user it's the list of connections between users it's that that you know this person and he knows this person and she knows this person and and you're all you know you're now five degrees from kevin bacon or or whoever and and facebook actually has that graph and I, I I don't know if that was included in this particular breach, but if not, it will be in a future or a past one. And uh, it, it, that's the stuff. Not only is that, um, you know, it's it's a little dangerous. Um, it, it's the thing that Facebook makes all their money on, but it's also the way that they really can go out and execute a uh, a phishing attack or a, a social engineering attack against you because you'll get an email that is from the name and email address of one of your best friends. And they'll be like, Hey, click on this link. I found it to be really cool. And you trust your friend. And it looks like an email from your friend because they got it from the database from Facebook that says this person is your friend. This is their email. They might include some other personal details just to make it look more authentic. 
uh, you know, relationship status, geographic location. They got, they got all this stuff. I, the, the level of automated attack that Facebook's data getting out into the public can enable is, it is really frightening. Like shit that people just know how to trust. Right. Well, it, and anybody listening to us, I think understands that never believe what's on the caller ID when somebody calls you and never believe the email address when it's sent to you. But it can yeah, fool it, people even that know this because you're not looking for it and you let your guard down. And that's when you get pwned. And and people are generally kind of skeptical. If even if you get a message from your friend or at least if I get a message from my friend, my, my hypothetical friend, if I had any, um, <laughs> If they say, you know, send money to this website or something, I'd, I'd go contact that friend and be like, hey, did you send this? And they'll say, no, I didn't. I never heard of that. Then I know it's a scam. But if they just say, go click on this or or go open this text file, I've, I've got a story about that one a little bit later in the show. Right. Um, that's how you know it's also a scam. If it's something that's included, uh, my wife's co- well, uh, company just got an email from somebody claiming to be a graphic designer saying, oh, you stole my graphics. You know, click this list to see which ones or otherwise I'm going to sue you. It's like, uh, oh, geez. No, yeah. never click anything. Never. Yeah. And, and, and given the number of times that we have even discussed uh, that that clicking on stuff can be dangerous if they've got a combined with some other exploit, which is a very common thing. All they have to be say is, is, Hey, check this out. And then have a bunch of credentials that look like exactly what you want, you know, what you trust. And you're going to click on it. And then you're going to be like, Hey, how come my browser installed a bunch of, of extra task or toolbars on it? Right. Wait, that's probably 2004 ish, but you never know. But with the Facebook ones, they did include the phone number. So that is one of the vital points to know, which is why I hate associating phone numbers, especially real phone numbers. I mean, I'll do it with the Google voice number because I know I can dump those at any time. But even our buddy, Sir Gene, wanted me to try out the clubhouse thing. And once I realized they were no longer allowing Google voice numbers and I would have to give the real cell number of the iPhone I just got, I'm like, it's not worth it. Don't want to do yeah. it. We're uh, a yeah, sneak peek into the future of Grumpy Old Benz. We are looking into uh, finally, you know, we're, we're we are, of course, being a tech show. It, it pays to be behind the times and behind most of the other shows on the stream uh getting with the value block uh for the podcast in uh, 2.0 right uh and uh we're we're looking at other options one of the ones that seems really promising is satoshi's.stream but i will admit that my investigation came up short about the time that they said yeah the only way to access this is to be on telegram and i'm like but telegram requires me to put my phone number in i'm not sure i'm willing to go there yet yes to send a message to set that up and they seem legit to, I, I have no doubt they're legit. I just don't want my damn phone number out there. I've been told that our buddy, Sir Spencer of the Bowl After Bowl podcast, has something set up and he's just trying to figure out how to allow other people to use it. And you know what? I'd much rather give Sir Spencer 3% would, of everything that comes in than anybody. I would rather I would rather give Sir Spencer stuff if he can get that set up. But what, I mean, one of the the satoshis.stream looks magical and they take 5% and if if they can deliver what they say and they do it all then it's worth it because i mean you get 95% and they're providing a lot of service and i looked into how difficult this is but i if, if they do it but it still I don't know these people and I'd rather give Sir Spencer money if we can get it. So 
Yes. Well, yeah, I'd rather then you can trust her, Spencer, a little more. Uh, your brother well, who's getting that. old and, and feeble in the mind, uh, Tony Bemrose said, it makes him laugh that I don't want to give out the new phone number that I got for my burner phone from Xfinity. If the number is actually attached to your cell phone to your name, it's not a burner, you moron. <laughs> well, okay. That's okay, true. you moron might be strong, but the rest of that argument is sound. I, I was just trying to give him a good way to start his birthday week. It's my oh, okay. birthday week, too. Okay. Tony yeah, knows they, we they, love him yeah. and, and all the rant he brings. That is such a coincidence. His birthday was only a couple days after yours last year, too. Isn't that weird? There's there's probably a conspiracy going on somewhere. Yeah, probably. And today is John C. Dvorak's birthday. The original grumpy old Ben, the cranky old geek. All of that. 69 today. And we believe Adam Curry says he believes it'll happen. So that he gives slight more credence. I don't know. What, that John C. Dvorak will have a birthday? That he will show up for Grumpy oh. Old Ben's on Thursday of this week to enlighten us and tell us some stories and hopefully I have a whole lot really of I really hope so. And I look forward to that. It, it looks like it might happen. Um, I, I think my favorite part about it, we are we are definitely going live on Thursday with or without John C. Dvorak. But the thing that uh, surprises me the most is uh, or, or at least just seems weird. Um, no agenda is doing a pre-recorded show and that show is going to play in the normal no agenda slot. So we, a live show are going to be waiting on a pre-recorded <laughs> show to end. I know. And that was the decision of the Podfather, And I understand why I do understand why John seemed to be, to be all for bumping his own best of show off the stream. But well, if 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 that is going to happen, it's John's decision and not mine. I'm willing yes. to wait. <laughs> Whatever John says, we listen to. But I get yeah. it because although, to be fair, the No Agenda fans are confused all the time. There were multiple people that came in before the show yesterday and they're like, pre-recorded show today? It's like, no, uh, <laughs> haven't you been listening? So uh, the concept that you would like, confuse only, the trolls. Yeah. Only the pre-show is pre-recorded, right? Yes, that's it's a magic way we do things, but that will be we're hoping a lot of fun Thursday, which is my birthday. So we're going to have like a double whammy for this week's second donations that you can bring in this week for April 8th, Thursday special show with John C. Dvorak on my birthday. I'm 51. So, I mean, if you want to just go the easy $51 route. If you want to send in 69 bucks to celebrate John C. Dvorak's birthday and you want to include a note, we will read them to John C. Dvorak. So there's a lot of good, a lot of good opportunities for you to become an expert if you haven't yet or to double and down. If, and if you want to wait for, if you want to donate for my birthday as well, then I mean, there's no reason to wait until September. You can do it now. <laughs> you can do it now, but then you'll be asking again in September, won't you? Well, of course, <laughs> yeah, see, there you go. You can, you can I mean, you don't have to give year. away all my secrets, but yeah, of course, that's going to happen. You can donate all year round. And uh, so watch the accounts over on No Agenda Social for the latest information on Thursday show. But either way, it'll be after the climate change special, which is starting at normal Grumpy Old Ben's time, normal No Agenda time. And according to John, it is about a two and a half hour show so we are that's looking, a lot of climate change yeah but that means we're looking at about a 2 30 eastern which would be what 11 30 your time start yeah so 11 30 left coast 
Watch No Agenda Social for all of the information on that and be sure to get in on the donation fund so we can, uh, you know, maybe you have something sitting in a uh, desk drawer that you could sell and earn a little bit of extra money. Did you see the story on the sealed Super Mario Brothers that sold uh, this week? I I did not, um, but I, I can already guess where this is going, and I'm looking forward to the ride. What happened? It is a copy of the original Nintendo game from 1986, I guess, as the story goes, if you what, believe what, it. Was it was it Super Mario Brothers on its own, or was it the cartridge Super Mario Brothers plus Duck Hunt? Because there, there were two different ones. The Super Mario Brothers was only released for a few months, and then they ended up changing it up so that they combined duck hunt on the same cart. And that one was the one that almost everybody got. So that's way more common. Correct. Correct. This was just the super Mario brothers by itself, allegedly purchased for a birthday gift and then forgotten in an office desk drawer for 35 years, which (laughs) this could be the best case for being a scatterbrain ever best birthday gift <laughs> yes well somebody didn't get the birthday gift i don't know it doesn't say who it was yeah, for. but if they get if they get some of the money now yes it's worth it <laughs> yes because the price this thing went for i mean one i think it's funny that they grade this stuff because we've talked a little bit about this grading of the sports cards and what a scam all that is and uh, even brendan steiner of steiner sports which is a huge sports people that sell memorabilia was talking about a big scam, but this graded as an A plus, a 9.6 rating, a still sealed in the box Super Mario Brothers from 1986, and it sold at auction. You ever want to guess what this thing sold for at auction? It's I just, don't. It's just a freaking video game. I don't. I don't want to guess because I'll be disgusted. Six hundred and sixty thousand dollars. Oh, oh, they couldn't even get a million for it. No. Jeez, what kind of collectors are these? <laughs> oh, yeah, what a bunch of cheapskates. Only $660,000 for an unopened copy of I, Super Mario Brothers. I don't, I, I don't get I, I, the, the entire scene. Like the reason why I don't understand NFTs is that I do not get the concept of spending that much. I understand that there are people out there who will spend that much on a collector's item. It's why baseball cards are still a thing, but I, I just, I can't wrap my mind around the mindset that causes somebody to want to spend two thirds of a million dollars on a game that most people are fishing out of landfills if they want to play. And it's probably a hell of a lot better experience on an emulator. Well, and it's a game that they're not going to open. So this is a Schrodinger's cat thing as well, isn't it? Because yeah. you know what's in the box. That's, that's like the action figures is, okay, so these are only worth anything if you never open the box. That is entirely backward from what 10-year-old Ryan understood about how action figures work. And frankly, is entirely backward about how 40-year-old Ryan understands toys as well like it's only worth anything if you don't do anything with like i i'm I'm telling you this these are not thoughts that i can relate to (laughs) no and well the action figures like all the star wars figures anything in a blister pack it's really hard to repackage but in this case i just want to know how blister packs are also really hard to unpackage yes but in this case 
how hard is it to re-shrink wrap something? Was there some really great way of shrink wrapping thing in the 80s that somehow somebody couldn't just get a box from one of these games that's been open and just kept in really good condition and, you know, just re-shrink wrap it? I um well I I assume that you you have to trust the word of the person selling it is that not how art works I guess so, I mean <laughs> caveat emptor baby I mean you know even even back in the day before the internet when people were were buying the uh you know fine art on oil paint on canvas of something like you can come up and be like, this is an original Pinay or whoever the artist is. And um, I mean, how do they know? <laughs> right. Well, yeah, there are experts allegedly that can okay. authenticate. So such that things. sounds like the job to be in. How do I get to be one of those experts who, uh, you know what? I will be the expert who tells you how much your video game or your action figure is worth. And then you can pay me a minuscule 3% cut of whatever number I quote. It'll be good. That is the scam on the sports card grading. That's exactly what Brandon Steiner said. He's like, you don't know who is grading these things. If whether it's, Somebody that's actually trained looking at this under a microscope or it's, you know, a 15 year old kid sitting in a warehouse somewhere. You don't know. It's a scam. There's no transparency on what they do and how they're figuring out if there was a transparent how, how, way. How would you how would you do transparency? You just start with what, like, like CSB's drawing of a butt and just pull the idea of the price out of there is that i mean that that's the transparency how where how did you get this i don't know i made it up on the spot well you could if this was something that was actually graded on a system that was able to be reproduced over and over again rather than at the whim of a human being you know if you were to put the like in a baseball card having really square corners crisp corners is very important so if you were actually going using yes, math, on your pointy chicks too, right? Oh. <laughs> if you were going on using math, you could say, well, these corners are at this and here's how rounded they are. And this is why this is taking this amount of points off. Of course, there have been people who've used um, very you know exacto knives to trim baseball cards ever so much to make the corners a little bit better, have gotten caught doing so. But to the naked eye. Nobody's ever going to catch that because it's too small of a difference. I'm sure there are entire fields of forensic science dedicated to figuring out whether or not a baseball card is legit. I'm just saying that in in my world, I I don't understand why this is a thing. That's all. Well, no, I don't. I do not understand. I mean, I get the video game still sealed like baseball cards comes down to how many there are in the world and really saying, you know, the ability to say you own one of those now the fact that that, that's this, exactly it. It, 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 it what are you buying for this the ability to say that you own a rare item yes because you know what happens if you break the seal on this video game and stick it into a you know system it goes down from 660,000 to like a couple hundred to bucks. 66 cents yeah <laughs> maybe i mean for this i don't know how rare this particular cartridge cartridge was uh, they only made a couple million the original one before they start doing I the duck you know i mean i i, 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 I don't know probably I mean, probably only a few hundred thousand. Like I said, they they didn't make that particular one nearly. You know, they made the 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 duck hunt one for three years or so before, uh, as Bemlet points out. Then they went well. We can also combine it with track and field, which was the next one. So if you got the if you ended up getting into the NES really late, you also got track and field. I mean, I like they show but, the photos here on the Ars Technica site of the 
guy grading the box, holding it with the white gloves, looking at it ever so carefully. It's like, um, it's a video game box. I don't quite understand, but okay, I get it. It's, uh, it, it, yeah, it's, I, I'm, I've already made my point. Um, collectors, uh, you do you. And, uh, if, if I, you know what, I've probably got a ton of stuff around here that I assign zero value to that I could just put up for auction and, and make a ton of money, but who knows which one, which pieces it is. Well, that's exactly it. And there's no rhyme or reason to it. I mean, I've noticed that with some, I mean, it comes down, I'm sure to it's scarcity. And if people want to buy them, that's what it is in any kind of hobby. And for vinyl records or people that will pay thousands of dollars for rare pressings. And there's a whole just crazy community revolving around that. So I guess it makes sense if you're into these kind of things to be able to put this up on your shelf and be like, yeah, that's a sealed super Mario brothers. And it, it seems like you know, the, the markets for this sort of thing is really the place to be like, you know, any kind of speculative asset, right? The, the, the way the saying goes was in, you know, in the 1840s, the, the California gold rush, if, if you went to California to hit it, strike it rich, making gold, you know, who were the ones who actually got rich? It wasn't the people prospecting and searching for gold. It was the people who sold them the shovels. Yeah. The people that and, made the tools they needed. And, and that's exactly what these graders are and the people running the auction sites. And it, it feels like, you know, there, there might be a lucrative business opportunity in here. Like we, if we started up an auction site for, for selling podcasters or something and, <laughs> and the vintage ones go for more than the, the ones that are all fresh and new. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, obviously I'm not the one to do the grading, but if somebody out there wants to help us with, with grading podcasters, be like, okay, this one's especially ripe. Um, Grading you podcasts, know what? This is that's a terrible what these idea. podcasts do. They grade their yeah, This pod- is actually not a great idea. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the concept with the grading would be fine when it comes to sports cards. But as I just covered on a recent Random Thoughts episode, the fact that if I send in, you know, 10 cards that are worth a buck a piece, the cost to grade those is, you know, a few bucks a piece. If I send in 10 cards that are worth, you know, a thousand bucks a piece, then it's hundreds of dollars to grade them because, you know, doing the job is totally different based upon what the cards are worth. And that's a bunch of crap. No, no. uh, I'm sorry. In in the in the words of uh, our our hopeful soon guest host. It's a scam. It is a scam. It is. (laughs) It's, It's a scam. It's. You know, it's it's interesting because this happens as we're seeing with the video games. It happens in sports cards. It happens in anybody that collects autographs. There are companies that will pretend that they can one autographs grade the authenticity of the autograph, which means they just don't believe that there are people that can forge signatures. Yeah. Uh, Or the signatures change or that. Yeah. So there's like, that. Oh, this this was an especially rare one. He was hung over that day. Right. You could tell by the way he made the B in Bemrose that he yeah. had just a little too much to drink the <laughs> night before. And you could tell by the postscript where he said, give me some whiskey. Right. Yes. P.S. <laughs> I, I need a little booze. Thank you. But this is a huge, huge business. The fact that your people are sending these things off, video games, sports cards, whatever memorabilia. To somebody else, comic books too, to give you a grade on the condition that they're in. It's a scam. It is. It's a scam that 
people believe and trust what these people say because they don't stand behind their work, meaning they'll charge you, you know, a hundred bucks to verify that Taylor Swift yeah. actually signed that album. And then you know what happens I, when you sell that to somebody and somebody else, oh no, no, that's fake. Do you, does the person that verified it at whatever company you paid stand behind it? No. They're no. Just, <laughs> no, and if if they tell you, oh yeah, this was totally worth a hundred thousand, and that'll be ten percent, thanks, and you pay them for it, and then somebody you know you try to sell it, and and nobody's willing to offer more than uh you know five hundred bucks, I'm sure they're not going to refund you the the money that you spent on grading it either. No, it's the scam. That is the business to be in if you enjoy scamming people, and there are and, more and, and more. Don't get me up. wrong, I do. Yeah, but I just. <laughs> I, I just don't understand this one as all. Well. well, yeah, and there are at least, the, I mean, I guess that it's kind of good that there are new companies popping up in the grading of these things because for a while it was pretty much only two, which was uh, Beckett and uh, and uh, PSA for a lot of this stuff. And they're in all the different markets. It's like they went from being experts really quickly on all sorts of different things. But uh the reality is the more competition there is, the prices should come down, although it could just be a case of where they all just collude and figure that out. They, they want a baseball card uh, graded. That'll be a thousand bucks. And people are spending it because the reality of selling this kind of stuff on the open market, nobody believes you or me. Nobody believes any of us schlubs who go on eBay to sell a baseball card or a video game. If it's not in one of those pretty loose sight boxes with a sticker from one of those companies that says, no, no, we checked it out and it's great. Nobody wants to buy it or the price goes way down. So that is the scammy part of this is that you can't really deal in anything worth even you know more than a few bucks. You can't deal in any card or video game that's worth decent money without having it graded. It's all a scam. It's a scam. Six hundred and sixty thousand dollars. I'm just looking through desk drawers. I'll be right back. I, I you I know, when, when I was a little kid and didn't understand how money worked, I would have totally told to insisted my parents spend that much on the game system because I wanted to play the game. Totally which, worth it. I mean, yeah, to the kid, me back in the day, I told it was totally you know, my parents bought me, you know, electronics all the time. I got an 8086 for a thousand dollars from Radio Shack was my first computer or, you know, a thousand when a thousand dollars was real money back then. Yeah. And what was the first thing you hacked with it? Um, well, let's see the it, it came with uh, DOS 2.11, which was the boot drive. But the C drive was a lie because it was the C drive was a ROM, which had DOS 2 on it. And uh, the only way the only place you could write to was the A and B drive. So um, what did I first? Probably personal desk mate, which nice. was a really kick ass piece of software from Tandy. Um, it was actually way ahead of its time. What else? Um, probably the thing that really kicked off my hacker career was when I, I got a manual for uh, GW basic from one of my neighbors who worked at Hewlett Packard and had just a cast off manual from work that he wasn't using anymore. And he's like, here, you can have this. And I pulled that thing open and it was, it was the dry reference manual that each heading is the name of a command and, and the input and output parameters of what it does. And I read that motherfucker from cover <laughs> to cover 
And you know, the first thing I did was was started putting up graphics things where every time you move the mouse, it would uh, it, it would invert all the colors in a radius around the mouse, and then you move the mouse back and forth and get epilepsy. It was amazing. <laughs> that sounds like a feature, but also sounds like something <laughs> you would do. But this was, I'm assuming that the things in the, that manual wasn't things that normal people had access to. Uh, I, you know, I, w- what people had access to this, you know, my first printer, which was around the same time, or at least in the same house. So that's how I measure time in my past. Um, the first printer had a, a thick manual, like a half inch thick of maybe 120 pages. And what was in that manual? It wasn't stuff like to clear paper jams and stuff. It was a list of the binary codes that you send the printer in order to change its modes and, uh, you know, cause it to emit characters in a particular way and including an entire chapter on how to program in a, a to load a font into memory, you know, including what binary codes you send in order to set pixels. And well, I guess what I'm saying is that this was a consumer printer at the time and the manual that came with it explained how to write a printer driver. <laughs> Times have changed a little Which bit. is kind of what you had to do because there was no such thing as a printer driver. Every piece of software had to be its own driver and know how to. And so, you know, a software like a, a generic word, a, a word processing program had to know, okay, here's, Here's how you write to the Panasonic printer. Here's how you write to the HP printer. Here's how you write to the compact printer. And even during, cause the, the, there was no abstraction layer drivers came later. Back when things, there was at least a bar for entry into doing things in the computerized realm, which, you know, I never would have guessed we were going to move beyond the desktop world into a world where a vast majority of people only use their phone. I mean, maybe a phone and a tablet, but a lot of people just use a phone, never touch a physical keyboard anymore. I don't know if printing is even that big of a thing anymore with people. I don't know. Does everybody still have a printer? I mean, I I know I do, Uh, but my wife has a printer and it's networked and that's what I use. I don't think I've personally had a, a printer connected to my computer in 15 years. Uh, although here, here's one, one way to put this into perspective. Um, you and I, and, and maybe for a couple decades on either side are quite possibly the only generations in human history who ever had any reason to learn how to touch type. Yeah. Which, uh, I just did without learning. I mean, they tried to teach it in high school, but I was already (laughs) too far gone. Because I just started playing with keyboards on, oh, yeah. you know, long before that. And I got into really bad habits and that's still the way I type. And I think I type fairly well, at least fairly quickly. I'm not doing it the way that you would be taught. That's for sure. By, by, by the first time that I had any kind of, of typing course, which was also high school, um, I was already, uh, it wasn't two finger typing because I was using the index and middle finger on each hand. So I was four finger typing at almost 40 words a minute, which is fairly um, impressive. Uh, it wasn't until I switched to Dvorak that I learned proper touch typing form. And then the funny thing is that after going to Dvorak and, and still being in a position where every once in a while I'd have to go back to QWERTY, I ended up using the same, you know, uh, eight finger form to learn how to do QWERTY correctly. So I never learned how to touch type QWERTY correctly until after I switched to 
to a different keyboard layout. That's kind of funny. I mean, when you when you have to switch, does it take a minute for your brain to like re? Uh, I mean, it, it, it's not immediate. Um, there's always that moment of confusion. It's not a minute. It's it's like you know a sentence or two, and then I'm like, oh right, I do. It's I I. I don't know more than, you know, I only know one spoken language, which is English, and I don't even know that one very well. But I imagine it's kind of like speaking different languages where there's kind of a mental shift that you do in your brain that says, oh, this is the interpreter. This is the muscle memory I need to be accessing. This is how I need to be communicating. And and I get that. Well, you know, and like I said, it's it's five or ten seconds. If I need to switch, I'm like, oh, shit, the, the stuff coming out on the screen isn't what I'm typing. It's gibberish. Right. <laughs> yeah which sometimes when you're talking it's just gibberish too so it's hard to tell if it's uh you've meant it that way or not but there was a pew pew research study done which i thought was interesting just since we're talking about the people using computers seven percent of americans don't use the internet which is a lower number i actually think that i would have guessed but uh, yeah well i mean they're they're there are entire segments of people who just don't actually need that in their life. And I, I can relate and I can, I, I certainly envy the people who don't feel the need for the internet. Yes. That's 7%, uh, which is yeah, those are the 7% of people who are actually happy. Yeah. And maybe, you know, are a little more healthy and not stressed out all the time. And the most interesting thing about this was that they found no statistically significant differences in non-internet use based on gender, race, ethnicity, or community type, which means these are just rebels. This isn't like, oh, well, it's just the poor people or it's just the black people. That's why. Yeah, but I noticed you didn't list age, which I think is probably the number one indicator. Let's see. They didn't. Yeah, I, they uh, there did not are, mention age. That's true. There, there are going to be. I mean, I. I, I I don't know that this is everyone's motivation, but there's it's going to be a whole lot easier to r- realize you can live without the internet if at some point in your life you spent time living without the internet. Right. You well, know, yeah, we, that's I, true. Twenty five percent. There was sixty five. There was no appreciable public internet, at least not one that anyone had a lot of access to until I was in high school or that's college. Twenty five percent are 65 and older, which means that 75% of people 65 and older are on the internet. So there's, there's that. Yeah. So the real question, the most important thing that people need to know is uh, if these people are not on the internet, um, how are we going to propagandize them in the future? How are we going to make sure they fear the right things? And more importantly, if they really are rebels, how are we going to cancel them? That's a really Interesting question. Ages 18 to 29, only 1% say they're not on the internet. So 99% of people, um, and they don't do anything under 18, which the under 18 thing is I've ranted about many a time before. That is still 
the most worrisome part of internet use is parents who just what? give their kids a phone at like nine years old. Yeah, I go, think Woo. I think there's a lot more under eighteen who don't use the internet than there are eighteen to twenty nine. Because under eighteen, there's you know, d- despite the best efforts of the teachers unions, there are still responsible parents out there who are like, no, we're not actually just going to let you browse YouTube twenty four seven. Oh come um, on, let's let's go ahead and do crafts on the kitchen table or something. You know, <laughs> like uh, human interaction. It's a thing. And and kids need it. Yeah, but this is you're right. It's all about advertising. It's all about creating a profile of people, which we've talked about plenty of ways over the last two years. And we are coming up on two years next Monday for our Grumpy Old Ben's two year anniversary. So, I mean, if you don't get in on the big JCD show for a donation, Larry will be here on the 12th for our two year celebration. But there was an article. And this was the hats first off for Larry. Yes. Hats off. Do whatever Larry wants. He's Mr. Velvet. The concern about what kind of data pharmacies have been collecting because of all of this COVID stuff. And the reality is for people that are looking to get the jab, you have to sign up. Most likely people are signing up anyway for just about everything in their area that they can, because this is not something that is, you can't walk in and get it. You know, I mean, there's a lot. I like, are are they signing to signing up to get multiple jabs? Is that no, but what, you know, so we have multiple pharmacies in the general area here. I mean, of course you've got your Walgreens, you got your CVS, we got the one over at Meyer, you got the one over at Jewel last show and all of them are just like big business in America. Now, they're all just like sign up and we'll let you know when there's availability. So what people are doing is going to like every pharmacy in their area and signing up. But to sign up, you have to give some personal information, including like, well, why do you feel like you should be able to get to jump the line? Right. Because right now, if you're under 65 and if you're not obese and whatever else, you know, if you're not diabetic, then you shouldn't be signing up. But. And I told one, I, I don't know if it was an expert from Grumpy Old Ben's, but somebody posted something over on No Agenda Social a week or so ago, and it annoyed me a little bit. And maybe I was kind of a dick with the answer. Yeah, the Internet's like that. I know. Um, but they posted a link to a story that said 78 percent of the people that were hospitalized with COVID-19 in the United States were overweight or obese. And their comment was, ha, yeah, like there's not a correlation. And I went up and I looked to the CDC's website. If that stat is true, it sounds like a correlation. That doesn't mean anything else, though. But well, a correlation of what? What would you think this means? What would you take from that? I I, I think it means there's a correlation that that (laughs) most distinctly does not mean there's a causation. And I'm not going to infer one in either direction. I mean, maybe you can, you know, a correlation demonstrates just as well that that obesity causes COVID as it does that COVID causes obesity. Well, correct. But I went and looked at the CDC website because I'm like, okay, you're going to say it's because people are fatty, fat fatties, which is why they're being hospitalized, because 78 percent of the people hospitalized were overweight or obese. Then I go to the CDC website. And do you know what percentage of people in the United States are classified as overweight or obese? Uh, most of them. 74%. So statistically, <laughs> this would actually prove the exact opposite of what this person thought they were proving. Because it's like, well, this makes actually perfect sense. You're proving 
that there is no connection between being overweight and being hospitalized. Because if 78% of the people hospitalized are overweight or obese, and 74% of the people in the country are overweight or obese, then you're not proving that this is a vast majority of a cause. The reason why is because they're obese. But people see these numbers and they think they can understand stats. Well, we all know the Bill Gates book that allegedly was on his desk that day and that photo, which how to lie with statistics. This is a perfect example of that because people see something like that and then never go try to figure out, well, how many people in the country are overweight or obese? Just saying <laughs> the one people never try to figure it out, which is why it's so easy to lie with statistics. Yeah, because because you can spew out there anything that sounds good. It's it's very easy when quoting a statistic to you, you, any any given data set. There's 25 different ways to look at it. And depending on how you, you build your window of view on the data set and then you know, even in statistics, if you say, you know, percent percentage versus percent increase versus there is there's 30 different ways to present a statistic. And so you pick the one that has the best connotation for you and then nobody checks you on it. Right. Or they don't understand how it all works. But it's like you actually yep. are proving the other theory. But I'm sure you they thought they were proving the other one, which is why we have so I mean, this you can not go down the and be as you know harsh and say well they're lying or this is fake news but it's just like it's ignorance and this happens all the time in the news it happens with the way things are reported and you wonder why people can't really figure out what the reality of the situation is but you know back to the data all these people that are going to all their local pharmacies and signing up for this all of a sudden all of these pharmacies ones that people maybe never gotten a drug filled by before now have information on you that they didn't have before. And the question is now, of course, there's talk of who a law should be passed to make sure that they can't use this for anything else. It's like, okay. well, the, the, the course that, is kind that of, that line of the thinking is wrong. And I knew that from the a law should be passed. But yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Well, the horse is out of the barn by this point. I mean, I don't know what else to say about that, that uh, I think, again, this is where we started this episode with. If you're giving your information out to anybody, just understand that it could come back to bite you understand why you're giving it out. There are sometimes you have to give personally identifying information out. Do, do people not just give fake information while making reservations? Is that not a thing? That's I guess not uh, for the uh, jab, res- because then when they say, come on in, <laughs> you don't and I'll have- be like, actually, my name is Ryan and not Jim. <laughs> <laughs> and the last name is not Cumbers. It I- is Bebrose. <laughs> So I've told you, I've told you about uh, the, the grill at the cafeteria at work. I, I think I did. No, where did I, you do? I, I worked there for almost two years and I got a, a burger from the grill just about every day because of course I was unhealthy that way. Um, and I never gave, they, they, they wanted you to, the way you did it was you filled out an order card and you check out what check on the box on the thing, what, order you wanted what you you know instructions for making it it was was actually pretty good it's kind of an upscale because it was of course artisan um but you just had these little sheets of paper you fill out the form and at the bottom it says give your name so that when your order's up we can call you i never put the same name twice ever (laughs) there was i and and i and the one name i know i never used was ryan and 
so I was, you know, I'd be uh, Edward and then I'd be Jose the next day and then I'd be James and then I, you know, every single day, different name. And I, re- you know, all it requires is you remember what name you put down there, because then when the order's up, they'll right. call. Right. And of course, the people behind there who have the same, you know, the same people every day, they got to realize, you know, you're you're not Edward because, you know, you were you were James yesterday and you're Arnold today. What's your real name? I said today it's Arnold. <laughs> <laughs> and so, of course, I, I built up a great rapport with them, but it was almost a year in before she finally asked one of my coworkers who she saw me coming in with, what is his name? <laughs> and then when the order was ready, it's like, Ryan. Well, uh, all they started from was the sheet of paper. So, of course, you know, they have to call Ernesto and then they see me walk up. They're like, I mean, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> they're like smart ass. <laughs> That I, I I just like when giving a reservation, even if you're calling a fine restaurant, it's like, uh, yeah, I, I, I need a reservation for 10. Uh, what's your name? Um, Donner, <laughs> not Jeffrey Dahmer, Je- Dahmer, Jeffrey Dahmer, yes. uh, Epstein party of no. Yeah, we're here for the ribs. But that was the one time I remember going into Starbucks, which I know is an evil corporation. And I have not had a Starbucks since the COVID thing started a little bit before there, actually. But for a while, when their little app thing came out, my mom had an account and we rarely, you know, my wife and I would rarely go into Starbucks. So she's like, well, you know, just if you want to put the app on your phone, anytime you want to stop, you know, for a coffee or whatever, you know, it's on me. So the one time we went in and ordered a coffee and just, you know, they uh, grabbed the little QR code from your phone. And I didn't even think anything about it because they didn't ask for a name. But all of a sudden they're like, Arlene. And it's like, no. So they're just pulling I, the name off the account. It's like, that was a sure. little weird too. But I uh, mean, that's convenience. Yes. It's convenience it, culture. It is, it is. It is terribly convenient. That's exactly what it is. And I, like I said, when, when it, it when handing out data, think about what the data is going to be used for. And if you're ordering a drink at Starbucks and you, they want your name, the, what, what they are really need, you know, it might not be what they're asking, but what they need is a verbal token that can be used to identify and connect your drink with you. And that doesn't need to be your name. That's just what they call it. So I, you know, I can be like, I can write down uh, uh, like a, a GUID or something and then expect them to call that out. And of course they won't. And it'll be hilarious and I'll laugh and they'll be scratching their head going dick. <laughs> you but, could just be a symbol like Prince was for a while. Uh, yeah. Like um, plus sign. <laughs> <laughs> you just need something. What you need is something that they're going to read out that you will recognize and know that it's your drink. And so like with the hamburger stand, I, I, there, there was no need for me to have my real name on there. The only thing that they needed was a, a token that they could read out that would identify, okay, my burger is done. And, you know, obviously I made a game of it being like, I'm going to use a different one every time, but it doesn't matter. It, what I, my recommendation to any listeners of grumpy old Ben's is don't use your real information. If they don't need the, your real information. So you never went by fat, dumb white guy. Um, well, I, I mean, informally, but I never had to write that one down. They just came up with it on their own. I'm just right. I'm just wondering if you okay. like give them like, oh, what's your name? Fat, dumb white guy. Okay. If I may, I've got a rant and I know I've given this rant before, but it needs to be given against the entire 
healthcare industry and their concept of how they identify obesity. And that is a, a concept called BMI, uh, body mass index. BMI is calculated by taking the, uh, the, the square of your height, dividing by your weight, and then using some factor to convert inches and pounds and stuff. Um, but those are the only two inputs to the function, your height and your weight. And most notably, it does not take into account your build uh, or your any of your other body proportions. It assumes that every human being of a given height has exactly the same build. It's, you know, they're all Vitruvian man or whatever, every single person. And so in order for your be, and then they take this calculation, which is precisely two variables and they distill it down and say, this is normal. This is obese. This is morbidly obese. Now I'm overweight. I haven't been ripped since college when I was, you know, walking, uh, I, I was in Eastern Washington, which has really harsh winters and I was, and also the entire city is all hills and mountains and stuff. So I was literally walking uphill both ways to class in the snow. But I haven't done that since I moved back to Western Washington, which has made me soft. I get that. I'm overweight. And you got married. Yeah, that helps too. And and I also college made me into an alcoholic, which probably wasn't great on my (laughs) way. Wait, 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 wait. wait. You you didn't drink before college at all? No, total teetotaler. Wow. So that was like flipping a switch. Like like even even like to the point of sanctimoniousness in fact i think the reason why <laughs> my fraternity brothers were pushing me so hard to become a drinker is they wanted me to stop lecturing them about not drinking maybe i mean i never lectured anybody about not drinking but i, I was one that really didn't drink oh that's right i never school. lectured anybody at all no that would never be true but i never really drank because i don't judge school. and uh i mean i've never went through besides besides for the year or so i worked at circuit city where i became a functional alcoholic for a while because working retail will do that to you have i never really drank much i had my first whiskey the other night when i was on the hog story show with john and carolyn and i opened up the bottle that larry sent me last year for my birthday so it's been a while since i'd had uh, a glass of irish whiskey but it was delicious it yes it, it whiskey's like that yeah well decent whiskey oh yeah <laughs> there's, there's some bottom shelf stuff that's more like you know drinking vinegar in whiskey with peat but uh anyway uh so the problem with bmi uh it, it, my my build is i have uh i'm i'm six foot oh with a 28 inch inseam and it, i don't know if you shop for men's clothes i try not to um but the average six foot male in America has about a 32 inch to 34 inch inseam, which 28 is a lot less than I have very short legs for my height. Um, If my legs were proportional to my torso, I'd be about six, five or more. (laughs) Yeah. I've got a 36 Um, inseam and I'm like six, six. So it's right about right about there. And and combine that with the fact that I have a 50, 56, 58 inch shoulders, depending like when I get fitted for suits, I have really broad shoulders. So what that means is that I have a ton of torso. So even back when I was ripped, according to BMI, I was well, well into the obese range just because they took my height, including my short stubby legs and my wide shoulders. And they divided that into my mass. And I was like, I was working out. I was walking. I was, you know, exercising. I was hitting the gym in college and I was still way into the obese range. And now that I've let myself go a little bit, I am (laughs) 
technically considered morbidly obese and I'm and I get every single time the doctors are like, well, your BMI is this and they, you know, you, you really should watch your weight because you're going to have heart problems. And I'm like, y- you know, you're probably right because I probably am overweight. But uh, uh, all of the shit that your BMI is telling you is just wrong for somebody whose body is shaped like mine. And I, I cannot comprehend the idea that everybody just takes a BMI calculation and uses that as a proxy for health without taking anything else into consideration. There are not enough variables going in to determine whether or not somebody is healthy. No, well, it's the lowest common denominator for doing the science, if you will, because you know there is a lot of athletes that are well above that range that are all muscle and that's going to bring your weight up. And so it's, it's not a perfect system. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind about that. And what they call the proper diet. We talked about this on one of the grumpy old Ben's post shows that our buddy CSB said was better than any show we've ever done. talking about at least that's not a high bar he's setting there. I know. But when I switched over because I went to the cardiologist, he's like, lose weight. And he's like, try the keto thing, which I thought was interesting. So the next day, of course, I saw it was almost like the the whole 1984 thing was coming true because all of a sudden then I saw an article from some you know alleged science that was posted that in rats or something like that. Well, the keto diet actually causes heart problems and it causes the problem with AFib, which you know I have a little bit every now and then. So it's like, well, this is just kind of weird. But the cardiologist said to do this. My other doctor said, you know, to do it. So I'm like, okay, I'll try just the cutting out sugar and cutting out all of the carbs and without changing anything else, pretty quickly dropped about 30 pounds. So it's like there's this whole concept of what is those are the easy 30 pounds, by the way. Oh, yeah, it gets harder. But the concept that a diet can consist of have bacon and eggs in the morning, you know, have bacon and you know, steak at night and just avoid sugars and grains that uh, your body will start dropping the pounds. This concept that and it, there is some validity to it, but the concept that it's all just calories in and calories burned is utter bullcrap when you see how this stuff works. It's not, well, completely l- calories in like, and calories uh, burned. <laughs> Like like most systems that that people love to simplify and abstract for sound bites, it's your your body chemistry is more complicated than just a simple calories in calories out. And yes, obviously, that is a very important measurement. But the you know, calories out is is not something that you have as much control over as you think when if you consume the kind of things that historically back in caveman days, if you ever found, uh, you know, a giant jar of honey or something and not jar, but like a honeycomb or something, you gorged yourself on it because biologically we really like that sort of thing. It's why sugars are so popular today, but it's because way back in the day, uh, if you found that, then it, it was a, a huge bounty because you stuff it all in your face because we didn't have any way to keep food. Right. So biologically, your your face would take it and be like, oh, we got a ton of sugar. Great. Let's make fat because in two weeks when there's no food anywhere, this will help us survive longer. And of course, modern humans don't have that problem. There's never a two week period where you don't have anything in the fridge unless you're like me and don't like go to the store. But 
there, there is no famine coming, but biologically we still go, huh, look, I got a crap ton of carbohydrates in my blood right now. Quick, let's make a ton of fat. And that's really hard to explain with the calories in calories out system. Yes. And the fact that you lose more weight when you do things correctly with a high fat diet than you do on a low fat diet, which still doesn't seem to make any sense to me because again, we've been taught something completely different. The food pyramid well, that existed the, when we were kids. Oh man, how wrong they the, were. The probable explanation, and I know this is going to come as a surprise, is that uh, the conventional wisdom that we were taught when we were kids was wrong. Could you believe that? Yeah. The, the, the food pyramid, and I definitely remember having the classes where they showed the food pyramid on the transparency slide up on the screen. And, uh, you know, the very bottom part where it's like 50% or more of your diet should be all grains. Boy, that was some great advice. Uh huh. Well, yeah, because <laughs> they're healthy and they're low in fat and the amount of carbs you get in some of these things and the to stay in keto. They tell you, which I'm not sure if I ever even hit keto, to be honest, but they tell you, you know, but like between 20 and 50 carbs a day is what you can eat. And I looked at one of these little Belveda breakfast bar, you know, they come with four little things in there, which isn't enough for a normal sized person to be satisfied on it for a meal replacement for more than like, you know, an hour. And I think there was like 36 carbs in there. And it's like, that's nothing. Damn. Uh huh. Like, uh, well, that's that's more than a day's worth. Uh huh. And it's like, or, wow. uh, or before the food pyramid, when we just had the four food groups and it was like, eat an equal number of these four groups. And remember, one of them was dairy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, if I ate, if 25% of my meal came from dairy, I would never leave the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because you got that issue. But, you know, this is where you have to start using logic again. When you look at forget humans for a minute, when you look around at wild animals, they eat other animals quite often. This concept that man can get away from eating meat. It's like bullcrap. That's not natural. That's not going to save the planet. All the, you know, you see the way nature acts, but we, I guess we never want to bring up logic in the fact that you know there's plenty of other animals that are more than willing to hunt and kill their prey and eat other animals and they don't even have tasty barbecue sauce well the barbecue sauce is is a ton of sugar it's it it's hard to justify that yeah well, we have one that's no sugar there's a brand oh there, there's something oh, kitchen. yeah they they exist yeah do they some of them suck though this was actually pretty good it was uh apple cider vinegar based i believe and this was actually tangy and just sweet enough. But the issue with trying to eat, and I'll use the air quotes for healthy, is like six bucks a bottle for a little thing of barbecue sauce. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, it's, so it's hard to slather that on and justify it. Yeah, it is. It is. When you can get a thing of sweet baby rays for like a buck a piece. On oh, my sale. God. Sweet baby rays. I think I, I think they, <laughs> you ever done this, seen that thing where they'll take a, a clear bottle of Coke or a bottle of Coke, which like store bought. And then, and then they have another bottle next to it that just has, here's how much sugar is in it. And the bottle's half full. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you use sweet baby rays, you'd need a bigger bottle. <laughs> it's somehow good. It's, it's like a so, TARDIS. There's so much sugar in that. It's yeah. More, more sugar than can fit in the bottle. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I did find so, out yesterday just because I found 
the uh, what's been sitting in the back of a kitchen cabinet for a while. We had one of these soda stream things or whatever they call it with the little uh, carbonated. I like those. You know, right? You can carbonate your own water. Yeah, and we haven't used this thing in years. But the although the 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 trick is don't buy the fifteen dollar bottle of carbonated water. Buy the fifteen dollar adapter that lets you go down to any scuba store and pay a buck for it to refill it. Yeah, to get the uh, the CO two refill. I have to look at what I don't even know. I don't remember what the cartridges in these things look like because I haven't opened one up in a while. But I'm like, oh, it still works. I got a couple bottles out. I made the water and i bought a little thing of the boobly water which isn't bad which is nothing more than just a little did, bit no did you sugar. just say the booberry water blueberry bob boobly it's b-u-b-l-y oh boobery doesn't oh, I have, have seen that brand i always i always pronounced it bubbly but yeah okay it probably is not it michael Bublé did yeah. commercials for him so that made sense see now that was okay. marketing in its greatest <laughs> sense it was like michael Bublé for bubbly it's like what yeah, yeah if marketing can work on us to think what it's doing to you i know they sell a little like an air you know when you used to get the little airline bottle of booze about the same size they sell of the essence of that water that brand sells that so if you're making your own carbonated water you just put a couple of drops in and you can get flavored water i'm like okay that's interesting i'll try that and yeah. my wife doesn't like the stuff if it's not a little bit sweeter and i'm like oh i wonder what happens you know you should be able to just put a little packet of truvia into the bottle with the flavoring and oh, yeah. sweeten it up a little bit but what i didn't realize is when you have really carbonated water and you just pour in a thing of truvia <laughs> it's like a volcano <laughs> then it's not gonna be carbonated yeah well yeah it's not and it's not the the chemical composition of the truvia. It's uh, the the fact that you put anything granulated into something that has carbon dioxide in solution at a nearly super saturated level. Yeah. Then the granules will pull the carbon dioxide out of solution. So uh, I need the same thing as a diet coke with Mentos. Yeah, I need a simple syrup made with the uh, with the truvia first before uh, before sweetening it. I think. But that was kind of fun. I'm just looking at yeah. the thing and all of a sudden it's like, oh, I put my hand down over it and it's still squirting out. Like, damn, carbonation. <laughs> so a that's thing. when you put your mouth over it. Just start <laughs> swallowing as quickly as you can. That, and that might also be sex advice, but we're not that kind of show. Oh, that's completely so different. The reality distortion field is fading on Tesla. Is it? What's happening? Elon having um, trouble? Warning. Well, okay, I got this article from Jalopnik, but they ended up getting all of their contents from a Reddit thread. So Jalopnik <laughs> is slightly higher. Wait, wait. However, wait. people are actually getting information from Reddit threads and reporting them as news now. Well, this one was in our Tesla Motors, and it was uh, about one of the people in the thread who was uh, becoming more and more concerned that uh, you know Tesla. Uh, when when Tesla was selling, I don't remember which model of car. I think it started with their Model Three, um, but they were selling an extra add-on package for ten thousand dollars increased to the cost of the car. Um, you could buy the full self-driving package, FSD package, right? And um, what that meant was that when full self-driving became available it would be automatically enabled on your car. Right. So you didn't have to pay for it then it would be. Boom. And, and uh, 
Um, the, there was a tweet by, uh, Mike Levine, which is a PR rep for Ford Motor Company, who described FSD as vaporware, which started to crack the, um, the, the veneer of, of trust and love that some of the people had for Tesla. But being Reddit, um, the argument being made was not, uh, hey, I paid $10,000 and I'm not getting what I paid for. It was, um, is there any legal liability to Tesla? And what happens to them if somebody files a class action lawsuit about this and anything we can do to help the company out? Because, because Tesla is selling snake oil. They, they sold a feature they could not deliver. And it's been what, five, six, seven, eight years since they started selling these things and they have not been able to deliver. And as the discussion we had last week, self-driving cars are not something that's going to come overnight. It's not something I, I mean, I, I think that one of the conclusions we came to is it's not something that's going to happen in the next five years right. without uh, some very aggressive regulation and, and dedication of cultural resources to it that I don't think we're quite in a position to do. Um, it, Self-driving cars are not ready. Self-driving cars are probably not going to be ready for 10 years. And yet Tesla charged $10,000 on top of the cost of the car to people saying, we'll deliver this as soon as you, uh, you know, we have it available. So Which is still the truth, I guess. It's just going to be a really the, long time. Except that the cars are starting to reach end of life. Yeah, well, it'll, and, will it carry over to the next car you buy, or do you have to buy it again? Well, if you buy another Tesla, maybe, maybe. <laughs> well, of course, you I would. don't know. Wouldn't you love that first one well, so the, much? I mean, it, it, Tesla sold full autonomy from from Tesla dot com slash autopilot. Uh, some quotes. The system is designed to be able to conduct short and long distance trips with no action required by the person in the driver's seat. All you will need to, is to, to do is get in and tell your car where to go. If you don't say anything, the car will look at your calendar and take you there as the assumed destination or just home. If nothing is on the calendar, <laughs> what if you get into the wrong when, car <laughs> when you arrive, <laughs> when you arrive at your destination, simply step out at the entrance and your car will enter park seek mode, automatically search for a spot and park itself. A tap on your phone summons it back to you. As the self-driving capabilities are introduced, your car will be continuously upgraded through over the air software updates. Tesla sold some. Uh, unicorns and rainbows that they cannot deliver. And uh, of course, these people in Reddit are like, well, of course I still want it. Of course I, they uh, way more disposable income than cents, I guess is what I'm saying here, which is why Silicon Valley is where most of them are sold. But, uh, the, the Jalopnik article summed it up with this thread reads like a lot of intelligent people with disposable income who want to see autonomous vehicles come to market and who made a hopeful, expensive decision to trust in what they were told was coming. Now they're not so sure. But isn't this the same thing as what goes on with a lot of these Kickstarter campaigns where you might never get? That's it. Yeah, that's, that, that is kind of what it is. But but Tesla didn't give the standard Kickstarter disclaimer of you might not want it. You might not get it when you're buying a car, $10,000. I better fucking get my flying car. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, mean, really, that's <laughs> what here. Here's the question, though. What were they saving? I'm assuming if you didn't pay him the 10,000 up front, when the feature came out, there was going to be an upgrade possibility. Was it that much cheaper to give them the money up front than? than to wait well i honestly believe that the kind of people who bought into this didn't think that far ahead probably 
And there's uh, a lot of people but, that just go, yeah, whatever. And and also don't even get me started on the idea of of charging something like ten thousand dollars to to flip a bit in software and enable the feature because the people who didn't pay the extra ten thousand dollars when and if this ever comes online let's suppose it comes online next year and all the people who paid ten thousand dollars automatically it turns on and their cars are all self-driving and the people who didn't pay ten thousand dollars are now going to go out and slip 50 bucks to a fucking hacker to plug in a usb key and do the same thing (laughs) well see yeah that doesn't make sense either that the hardware is exactly the same and they are turning on the features, but I guess it's exactly what windows does with their operating system. Oh, yeah. And I hacked more. that too. Yeah. <laughs> well, that makes sense. Uh, I, but yeah, I don't understand why, except for the fact that you're traveling in the vehicle and if it malfunctions, you could die. Is the reason I say yeah. hacking the car might be a little more dangerous. Blue douche nailed it in the troll room. Elon is just like Steve Jobs, except that Steve Jobs actually delivered once in a while. Yeah, he had a different vision, and uh, yeah, think different. Which is why I mean that's Apple and Tesla. I don't think I bet you there's a lot of people in both of those cults. They believe that once they get their grimy little hands on a consumer, that they're buying into their complete ecosystem. So of course, if you have one Tesla. You're going to get another and another and another. Why would you ever buy anything else? <laughs> because it's a lot cheaper yeah. and and it gets you where you want to go. And sometimes, sometimes you just need to move groceries. I, it, I yeah. just love yeah. the idea of the car trying to go find a parking space. I mean, if you've ever dealt and I know you have, cause you in the Seattle area, Oh, you know, in Chicago downtown, I went, you know, to college out in Lincoln park. And there was a Tower Records not too far away, but there wasn't a lot of parking. There was a bunch of good record stores right around DePaul University out in Lincoln Park. And finding street parking was not easy. Now, the concept of I could just hop out in front of the store and let the car just continually drive around is. That's a neat idea. But uh, okay, here's one of my questions. How is the car going to deal with parking lot vultures? Right. I I mean, I mean, are are the parking lot lanes just going to be clogged by Tesla's autonomously circling the lot the entire time that you're in the store? Is that I mean, this is a recipe for gridlock right there. Circle the wagons, baby. It comes out with a whole Uh, new meaning now. And I I know that I've given the rant on parking lot vultures, those assholes who stop right in the middle of the parking lane and block everybody behind them, cause traffic gridlock. And then as if it makes it okay, they put on their fucking blinker saying, oh, I'm just going to wait for this guy who was walking near a car to back out of the spot. And they might be another five minutes, but that's okay. I'm. It's okay that I'm blocking the entire aisle for five fucking minutes while I wait for somebody to pull out of a spot because my blinker's on and that makes everything good. Right. And it's usually at Costco you, and, vultures. and the guy has four carts of stuff that he has to figure out how to put into his car first. Yeah. But they're going to wait <laughs> for the spot. And you did have a question that you, you asked with this, which was, what if you get into the wrong car? And, and you might've been uh, <laughs> making a joke, but um, not really. I, I, in, in, in the, the distant future, you know, the, the, uh, the utopian future where we all own nothing and are happy about it. Um, yeah, the Star Wars, it doesn't matter. The Star Trek universe. It doesn't matter because if you get into the wrong car, whatever car you get into will scan the chip in your wrist 
and will automatically know your identity. They'll know where you live. They'll know uh, your calendar because, of course, you uploaded all of that information to the Internet because you didn't listen to grumpy old Ben's that told you not to because of data breaches from Facebook. And so it'll scan the chip in your hand and it will just know, oh, I need to go home. Well, so and, no, and, the problem is I mean, it'll be you and the, the information you will have put down for your dentist yeah, it'll appointment take me to, will to be at Arnold's home or Andrews or no, I'm just thinking you're just going to put down the GPS coordinates of the middle of the ocean for your dental appointment and you're going to get into a car the and then get out of the car. Yeah, The, <laughs> the car is going to just start driving. And all of a sudden you're like, well, oh, it yeah. seems like it's driving right towards the, oh, geez. Well, what, <laughs> I mean, what, what, in in the ideal world envisioned by the fully autonomous car enthusiasts, and I don't know how much of this is feasible and I don't know how much of it is good or bad, but in that ideal world, um, we no longer have private cars. Nobody owns a car. There are just fleets of private cars everywhere. And, and like you're in Manhattan where there's always a cab a half a block away, you just step to the curb and hold your thumb out and a fully autonomous car will show up, drive you where you want to go and then leave and you don't even have to pay taxi drivers you don't even have to tip the driver there's just autonomous cars everywhere that every time somebody needs a car they it it, there's some a lot of logistic issues with this and not least of which you're going to have assholes like me who are going to find some way to convince these things to drive down a boat ramp but I don't know. Have people Ma- taking dumps in the car. I mean, this is what happens. I, uh, the, the people do that in taxis anyway. Yeah. The only thing is the taxi driver cleans it out before picking another fare. Yeah. Or he tries to <laughs> kill you for doing it. Rightfully well, so. And, and rightfully so. Eject. That's what we need the ejector seats for. It'd be a lot more fun. Yeah. See people Dustin the wind up. says parking vultures don't care about my anger. This is true, but they might care about my car keys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but what you're saying you accidentally fall maybe every now and then I, I'm Lose very, very clumsy when walking past a, a, you know, inconsiderate people in the parking lot. I don't know. Happen. It's it yeah. will happen. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the uh, uh, the Tesla folk. Come on. Yeah. Give them a See, what else did I have? Uh, Red Hat joined the fraternity of woke companies. There's a lot. And uh, yeah, there's a, Adam tried to start a website on it. I'm like, well, he you, did Adam, live during the show. Yeah, he started a website <laughs> on it live during the show. I've, I've I've got that up. How many people are are on there so far? Freedom lists. It has uh, J.P. Morgan Chase, Coca-Cola, Major League Baseball, IBM, Microsoft, Amazon, AWS and Pfizer. There are about a thousand more companies that need to be added to that list. <laughs> That's just the big national ones. Yes. Uh, now, Red Hat. uh uh have suspended funding of the free software foundation after their uh, decision to reinstate uh, Richard Stallman. Is it Richard? No, I think uh, so. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, again, uh, because you can't have RMS, anybody yes. that says anything you don't like associated because you have, this is, yeah. but, but remember what Stallman did. Stallman's crime was he was pushing back against cancel culture. And I guess that's cancelable in itself. Um, he was defending uh, an, another professor at MIT, Marvin Minsky. I pulled the quote. Uh, he said the most plausible scenario. And by the way, Marvin Minsky had an escort, which uh, you, you can, the you can judge or <laughs> no, no, a, a hooker. Okay. Um, uh, the, except it was one of the high class ones and it was delivered by a, a representative of Jeffrey Epstein. Um, and, and you can judge him based on his decision to do that, but I thought um, sex the real, work is work though. Isn't this hateful? The real problem was out of well, guys. Here, here, the, the, the real sticky situation is she was 17. Ah, uh, well, that'll, 
that'll add to it. And, but, you know, they want um, kids to and, vote at 12. So and and she came back later and, uh, you know, did the the I'm not going to tell anybody at the time, but I'm going to you know ruin somebody's life and cancel later. And so Marvin Minsky, who, by the way, is now dead. Um, he, I mean, he was 78 years old at this time, at the time of this happening, uh, Marvin Minsky was raked over the coals because he had sex with a 17 year old, uh, and you know, because he was ordering girls from Jeffrey Epstein. Well, uh, what Stallman said was quote, the most plausible scenario is that she presented herself to him as entirely willing, assuming she was being coerced by Epstein, he would have had every reason to tell her to conceal that from most of his associates. I've concluded from various examples of accusation inflation that it is absolutely wrong to use the term sexual assault in this accusation. So what RMS did was he was saying, you're all accusing my this other professor of sexual assault. What he did was he had sex with a young girl who lied about her age and lied that she was being coerced right and so uh, okay you know whatever it is that you decide to do with minsky now rms is forever branded as as a, a sexist deplorable because he said whoa 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 let's back off on calling this sexual assault until we have all the information and now three years later because he got brought back to the board some douchebags at Red Hat have said, we're not going to fund the organization because you're bringing back somebody that we decided was already canceled. Yeah, that's not good. You have to this believe all women up. unless they say Joe Biden or Andrew Cuomo or anybody really with a D next to their name in a political circle did something. But this is a big part of this cancel culture. And these are cases that honestly. I have no knowledge of, so the things could be entirely true or they might not. But the reality is you need to be proven guilty, not just accused. When you look at things like Danny Masterson, uh, the That 70s Show actor who's in court right now facing charges that he raped women. We had uh, Patrick Kane here in Chicago, hockey star, which had a girl claim that he took her to his house. And then uh, took advantage of her. Well, see, Patrick Kane was at least smart enough to have some of those cameras in his house that he controlled. That wasn't going out to like Xfinity. So he had yeah. every room in his, in his house recorded, including the audio. And when that was turned over yeah. to the authorities, that all of a sudden it was like the girls like, oh, wait, OK, I was lying. OK, yeah, super helpful in this case. But that's still creepy. It is, but it's what you have to do if you're in a if you're okay, a man is. that is has any amount of money or any amount of fame and, and the kind of person who's going to go out and order hookers. Well, this wasn't even ordering a hooker. This was just a girl that he met at a bar and she went home with him, did the nasty and then decided she wanted to turn it into a payday. So she wanted to be a hooker just in a different way. That's the American dream. It is. I mean, I already told the story of the uh, teacher that taught at my all boys Catholic high school that was stabbed by a hooker because he tried to negotiate price afterwards so this is also <laughs> yeah. this, this is also some good advice no afterward the only thing that should be happening afterward is is put your clothes on settle debts and get out yes yes we're done here <laughs> we're so done. this is not the time to negotiate price you, you might not be in the right state of mind but the only the only good thing to do is all of the other details need to be negotiated up front yeah that would make more sense. But sex work is work. We get a lot of confusing things from the left 
because the same people and rightfully so, I mean, it seems like Epstein did some really bad stuff, but the same people that are condemning him are calling for some really crazy stuff themselves. So that seems like this is more political than anything else, just hurting your opponents more than anything else. And the concept that it's an important part of the American experience, which is you are innocent until proven guilty. That is a keystone of what has made our country here work. If you're going to change that to you're guilty the minute that you're accused, you are forgetting the simple fact that House, you know, Jeffrey, uh, what's his name uh, um, on the show? House, MD, what, oh, oh, Gregory yeah. House. You know, his simple theory is everybody Good lies. Lord. Yeah, this we're forgetting this <laughs> because people do lie and this. Well, and and and, and innocent till proven guilty is is falling victim to the uh, the standard uh, cancel culture line now of, well, it was wrong then and it's wrong now. Right, right, right. But it's like, but no, this is not how things in, were. In fact, they've, they've actually simplified. The concept was innocent until proven guilty, which seems like a pretty simple concept. But today's wokest cancel culture adherents have simplified the concept even more. It used to be innocent until proven guilty. Now it's guilty. Right. We're, we don't even need to have the trial, which is the yeah. problem. Yeah, with- there, there's no conditions. There's no no and nothing about innocence. You don't have to worry about that. It's guilty. And we okay. talked about that yeah. in the George Floyd case. That's yeah. going into this. It's like, well, we're if we don't get the verdict we want, we're burning this city down. It's like, well, you've lost control of the country. You've lost control of a bunch of cities at the very least. But this wokeism then with all of these companies that want to go out. Nobody will explain when it comes to Major League Baseball, which was the big one in the news, that they're pulling the All-Star game out of Atlanta. They will not explain why they think this voting law is bad. Didn't they give some old saw about, uh, you know, we we don't want we we dislike discrimination and we can't you know, we can't handle anybody who is going to. Uh, you know, trample on people's rights to vote or something like that. And right. and this, the best part was this was like a day after they re-signed a deal with the CCP. Right. Well, right. There's that. <laughs> the, it's been pointed out also. And it, with a nice screenshot from MLB.com, which is when you're picking up tickets at a ballpark, the person has to have a picture ID. Oh, this is interesting. You force people to have a photo ID to pick up tickets. But voting by mail, you shouldn't need any proof of who you are. So to vote. Is that really a thing? Yes. Yes, it is. Because I, I don't submit my picture when when I buy the tickets. I mean, if you're picking I, them up at their will call at the gates, they need oh, your, yeah. they need a photo ID to pick them up. And it's happened to me because I've had to pick up tickets at the gate. I was going to say nobody nobody called for my ID when I jumped over the center field fence. <laughs> no, they asked for that after they put you into uh, prison for streaking yeah. across the field. <laughs> well no i wear clothes oh, usually well, yeah yeah i guess uh that's only it's only polite i mean i did at least i've got the robe on while i'm running across the field what comes off when you get tackled <laughs> that's anybody's guess but yeah, that's not my fault this concept that this voter law is somehow racist because they're adding i mean they're actually expanding when you can vote they're expanding they're making it easier to vote The only thing that was made harder by this law was that if you're going to submit a ballot by not going to the ballot box, if you're going to do something that says you need these to be able to vote from home or wherever you are, 
you need to provide an ID number so they know who filled this out. And that is the horrible part of this law that MLB just is so incensed with. The the worst part is, is that it might make it slightly more difficult to print a bunch of ballots that can be stuffed into the box when the Democrat candidate is behind. Right. And that's the only thing. So it's like MLB, you must like voter fraud because that is what you're taking a stand for here is voter fraud. I believe that the concept, they're all all Democrats and they seem, that seems to be one of the most important characteristics. You know, the concept here is Democrats think that black people are so stupid. They can't get an ID. And we talked about that, I believe on the last show. (laughs) Yes. You know, and that is what they're showing. And what really doesn't make sense is the all-star game was set to be in Atlanta, Georgia, which I can tell you Atlanta, Georgia is a very, black city there is a lot of black businesses around the ballpark that are going to be losing big bucks because they're pulling this out this is not helping the black community in georgia this is not doing anything but virtue signaling because they moved the they moved the game to baltimore i mean so if you want crime it's going to be pretty much the same high crime atlanta (laughs) high crime baltimore you're going to have that when all going for you you're not just dodging tags. You're dodging bullets at the same time. Right. And, you know, Major League Baseball, I can't believe they're even allowing in. to be fair. The Atlanta Braves, their ownership, management, whatever was like, whoa, 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 whoa. We got nothing to do with this. We this is not what we want. They're making that well, clear. I, 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 I hope they're making that clear if for no <laughs> other reason than to try to keep the mob from burning their shit down. Yeah, that is the issue when you start having these companies that are coming out and doing things like we're going to punish i mean think about this you have major league baseball and a variety of other big corporations that are trying to punish the state of georgia for making a law that they don't like this is not the road you want to go down this isn't even the same time this has happened to georgia though was the the georgia the Republican legislature made some kind of anti-abortion law several years back. And Disney was like, we're never making a movie in your state again. Right. While they're still making movies in China. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) Of course they are. Like, yeah, Disney, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, Let me let me know how much the CCP likes, you know, (laughs) killing babies. Yeah. I'm all for Major League Baseball making their statement. I'm all for Major League Baseball and anybody associated with it for having political views and telling people what they are when you start I, going not, to this. Well, I mean, everybody has a right in this country to say whatever well, they every want. individual does, but major league baseball is not an individual. It's a sport. It's an organization. And, and most importantly, political views are not part of what defines their organization. And if they try to make political views, part of what defines their organization, then they are damaging their product. So no, I'm yes. not okay with that. Well, they're if morons. I liked, If I liked baseball, then I would be really upset that they're damaging their product. Yeah, it just even put me further down the list of I I, I do like baseball. I just don't like MLB. Yeah, there's no reason to watch it because it's a total farce at this point. And the the other day. Uh, I, the, the other, like a couple days ago, um, I was just sitting in, uh, you know, chatting with Bemlet over something, I don't know, playing a video game or something. And he casually mentions, he's like, so the Seattle Mariners now have the best record they're going to have all year. What the hell? (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, uh, well, yeah, that that was exactly like completely out of context. I didn't even think about it. And I, 
I stopped and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's the first of April. They probably played their first real game today, which means that, yeah, they're one and oh, they won their first game. Um, the Mariners suck. So winning a second game is not likely. So, yeah, I get it. And it occurred to me just then I was like, I completely lost track of the baseball season entirely. It was nowhere near my mind. The concept that baseball as a sport even exists is just not it doesn't intersect with my world anymore. I just don't care because the 2020 season, they, they ruined the sport so badly that it, I never even thought about it. It, it. There was no point in 2021 that I thought about MLB until that moment when Bemlet pointed out that a game had been played. Yeah, they lost me. And I used to watch every game. And you were when we started this show, you were a huge MLB person. Yeah, well, a lot more. I'd already started down the path of being less and less interested because of a lot of the stuff that was going on. But it's good because it took a lot of time to watch. All you those took all games. those shows off because you were in your box seats at the White Sox games. And well, yeah, my parents had season tickets for I think it was 35 years with the White Sox. So there was you know, never a time where if I wanted to go to a game, there weren't tickets available to go. And it used to be a lot of fun going to the ballpark. I mean, the the eight dollar waters and the you know fifteen dollar hot dogs got a little bit excessive. But uh, I mean, you got to pay those big salaries. But then you try to turn around and force people into believing the political ideologies you want. Now, that's going a little too far. But I, again, I, if Major I League Baseball they- wanted to release a statement saying we're disappointed in what the state of Georgia is doing because this, this and this. And we would hope if you're in Georgia, you vote this way, upcoming elections, whatever. I don't even care about that. But once you yeah, start punishing I, a state for something they did, screw you. That's well, the, yeah, the, that part is is pure virtue signaling. And for the people who are getting a little bit sick of everybody virtue signaling, it's damaging the brand. I think that making a political statement that has absolutely nothing to do with your business, which is entertaining people already is damaging the brand and they shouldn't do it. But yeah, there's a difference in degree between those. And here's my question not of kind. There's a. Uh, I don't know if the schedule's a full schedule or not this year, to be honest, but in a normal year, there would be. You 80- know, it's never even occurred to me to care to check that <laughs> in a normal year. There's 81 home games for every team. So are they allowing the Atlanta Braves to play 81 games in Hatefield, Georgia? Why aren't they shutting the whole thing down? Yeah. How, how, how are they not moving the team? Yes. To, you know, neighboring Virginia or in fact, just move the team to Baltimore, have another team in Baltimore because Baltimore <laughs> is all on board. Yeah. I mean, how can you, I mean, you're, you're moving one game out, big, hairy deal. Move them all out. Yeah, why not? And, and, and you know what? It will not affect my willingness to watch the games. No, I don't care. Com- you know, computerize the whole thing. Who cares at this point? Yeah. But there's a I, list they, of people, a list of companies that I think the only way this woke stuff is going to stop. And I hate it because it is a very much a lefty tactic. And it seems like such a douche thing to do most of the time, which is, oh, boycott a company. And you know what? It's different boycotting a company because they advertise, you know, on Tucker Carlson's show. That's stupid. In this case, you're pulling a game from a state because you don't like the way they voted. Now it's all, you know, all the uh, rules. Forget it. It's time to boycott. It's time to start going after their sponsors. It's time to start. I was on a list. I know that's hard to believe. To get <laughs> you were on a list. Yeah. To get surveys from MLB. And the latest one was kind of like, 
you know, who you thought was going to win everything. And I just filled out everything randomly until it got to the comment point. And then the stuff I put in there probably wouldn't be suitable for any radio with anybody. And then, the then you were 30. on another list after that. Yes, probably. I don't know. If never we'll let get... this guy into the stadium again. <laughs> yeah. And never <laughs> sent him another survey because it's like you've ruined uh, the sport. Well, I, I think as far as I'm concerned, that's the goal of any survey people send me out of the blue is I need to fill it out in such a way that they won't ever send me another survey. I'm like, stay in your lane. Well, now, the interesting thing with Major League Baseball is there are some Republican senators now who are trying to draft a law, which I know you would say that's a bad way to start anything, but they're looking to strip Major League Baseball now of their antitrust exemptions, which could really hurt major I'm all league for baseball that. yeah uh, yeah anything that reduces the the government enforcement of monopolies i'm all for you know how how woke would nba or mlb or nfl be if there were actual competition it would be interesting i mean knowing that major league baseball last year using covid as the excuse killed off a bunch of minor league teams which was a real douchey thing to do especially yeah, during which that year which is is going to severely impact the league maybe probably not this year but in two to three or four years the the fact that they don't have the farm league bringing up new people is going to seriously harm the the top league well and it hurts too just because the united states is a fairly big country and the world's a pretty big place and there's only 30 or is it 32 now major league baseball teams and so there's there's room to have a lot of teams. There's always been room. I don't. I've ne- is what what do you know about this government granted monopoly that that you said Congress has? Is how does like is this why I, I've never quite understood why um you don't just have people like people still like baseball. I like baseball. Why are people not just getting together and and doing games and then putting them out on Twitch or something? Right. Well, see Twitch. I didn't even realize. This is how out of because I'm not a gamer and I don't pay any attention to Twitch except to I know some people I think Nick the Rat and uh, Paul the Book Guy and his show. They're also streaming on Twitch because, you know, YouTube, big bad YouTube will censor you. And then I saw I didn't even realize Twitch was owned by Amazon. I'm like, do you think Twitch is any better than? Yeah, I knew that. You know, this is just going down the, you know, going down the list. And it's like, yeah, we need. A, you know, if you're going to have a free and open video platform, it can't be owned by any of those folks, which also means it's going to cost big money, which means that it's almost impossible to start one up and not have to have servers hosted by somebody that can be touched or, you know, rent space from somebody that can shut you down. The yeah. uh, Twitch was Twitch was one of those places, one of many social networks where I never had uh, an account at all and never had any interest there. In fact, there's a lot of social networks out there in that category. Um, but the the place where I publish my Minecraft mods that I write, um, curseforge.com, ended up getting bought out by Twitch. And then they converted it all. And they're like, well, you can't log in unless you convert your account to a Twitch account. And I'm like, I didn't sign on to. I just wanted to write code and hand it out to people. I didn't sign on to give it so i of course had to create a new account and publish republish my mods because i wasn't going you know to connect everything to through amazon 
Yeah, I'm I'm unreasonable. Deal with it. But <laughs> no, I haven't realized that. But that was that was the first introduction I had to Twitch was because uh, the other option they had was when creating your Twitch account, would you like to link it to your Amazon account? Oh yes, hell no. <laughs> yes, yes, please <laughs> track my buying habits. I mean, I just purchased a chemical on Amazon, as I mentioned for record cleaning. That's illegal in the EU, so I'm going to be on another list for that, no doubt. Yeah, it never ends. But according to an article on The Hill, when it comes to baseball's antitrust exemption, it dates back to a 1922 Supreme Court decision. And under the 1998 Curt Flood Act passed by Congress, Major League Baseball maintains and 1998. So signed by Bill Clinton. Yeah. Major League Blame Baseball on him. Major League Baseball players maintain the same rights as other professional athletes under the antitrust laws. But other aspects of the sport are are exempt, including franchise relocation and broadcast negotiations. And they point out that other leagues, including the NFL and NBA, do not have this exemption. So it's ripe now to rip this apart from Major League Baseball and uh, yeah. screw them a little bit. I, I mean, maybe it was the American pastime back in the 40s and 50s, but and I'm uh, sure that's what they use for. No, you can't just relocate a team because you own it and want to move it. Socialist bastards. And, and it seems like they do that anyway. Uh, I mean, I, uh, under those rules, I guess that means that uh, that Seattle is stuck with the Mariners as long as they. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we, we lost the Supersonics because uh, I guess they didn't have those rules and the owners got really greedy and sold out to. And now the Supersonics are no more because they uh, the team moved and became the Oklahoma City uh, Thunder. I, I don't even know. Oklahoma City penis head, something like that. And they actually erased the entire franchise history because they wanted nothing to do with the history of the team in Seattle. So they started a new franchise history in Oklahoma city because they disliked the Seattle heritage that much. So that's what happened to our basketball team. They built back better is what you're saying. Yes. Yes, they did. And they had to tear it down to do it. We had to rewrite history. So this is going to be an interesting story to watch because Major League Baseball does have some protections, including not being, you know, you can't just move a team. And uh, this will open some doors, I think. And this is going to get nasty, I believe, because Major League Baseball decided to. And I really wonder, do the people that run Major League Baseball, do they even bother to have a lawyer read this law or did they just listen to sleepy Joe Biden say, this is Jim Crow on steroids. And Joe don't know the law. <laughs> Joe don't know what's going on. Did they just listen to Joe and go, I, oh, we'll pull up? I I honestly doubt that uh, that they well, I mean, if once they drafted the we're going to move, they probably had a lawyer read through it and be like, yeah, we have the right to move for any reason whatsoever. So it's fine. But no, they probably didn't analyze the law. Why would they? Why would you need to? All the all of the analysis of the law that you need is already available out there on Twitter where people are telling you what the law means or at least what it makes, how it makes them feel. Yes. Well, yeah, how they feel, not the reality of it. And they don't think about the repercussions. They think we're going to hurt the state of Georgia. It's like, no, you're actually hurting all of the black owned businesses around the park that were set to make bank. So congratulations on being so woke that you don't even understand the negative aspects of things that are going to happen when you make a knee jerk reaction, like relocating an all-star game on a day's notice 
because you don't like something the legislation, the legislators of the state did. And again, this is a very dangerous thing when this kind of stuff starts happening, because, I mean, the government sucks as it is, but it's still better than having corporations decide what happens. Well, I still like baseball, but the only thing entertaining about the MLB to me anymore is their slow gasping death, the spiral that they seem to be in. And, you know, we can talk about it on this show and I will totally watch uh, all of the idiocy being pointed at MLB, but uh, watching their games, paying them any money. No, I'm done with that. I'm, yeah. I'm past that part of my life. That's where it hurts them. That is, you know, voting with the almighty dollar. And, and think how much money I am saving on not buying $8 bottles of water anymore. Hey, that is where it really set in for my wife and I, when you realized we're getting free tickets and free parking to go to the games. And just by having a couple of hot dogs and sodas, not even beers. I mean, I know no. the, the guys that no, drink the, the beers are you're putting a hundred bucks into beer for like six beers oh. a game. Yeah, the beers are insane. I mean, they, if, if you want to drink during the game, the the right way to do it, by the way, and this works for any game, uh, as long as they're not doing pat downs, is you sneak in the little airline bottles and then you get a Coke or something. Instant and yeah, the, Coke. yeah, the Coke costs as much as as a well drink would cost at a bar. But at least you've got a well drink. But you have a souvenir cup that you can take home and enjoy for the next 15 oh, yeah, minutes. Yeah. The, well, yeah. You take home and you can enjoy it. And it, it usually makes it at least one trip through the dishwasher before disintegrating. <laughs> yes. When all of a sudden, whatever ink they used is coming off or the plastic is disintegrating. I mean, I'm sure it's perfectly safe, though, while you're drinking out of those cups. Don't worry about it at all. You're not in consuming any carcinogens. I'm sure. Oh yeah, you know what, what? What's the chemical? The BPA's or something? Yes, yes. B- yeah. that's that's why you see all this stuff now. Even like shower curtains, like it's BPA free. And I can I mean, yeah, usually because, I can because tell because people are in the shower licking their shower curtain all the time. <laughs> what they what they smell? That's the issue with the BPA. If you ever got a anything plastic like that, and you open it up, and it's like, whoa, that there's a strong odor to it. That yeah. is uh, some that's, bad yep. chemicals. And when you're in the shower throwing steam out and you're inhaling like oh yeah let me get this and, and and when you go out and get a plastic bottle full of water by far the most dangerous chemical in there is is the water itself because you know what happens to you if you get that in your lungs death it's it's it it's harsh <laughs> there will be coughing <laughs> and the fact that you could buy i mean for some reason my dad prefers bottled water Rather than, you know, you have a refrigerator that you can just put a glass there and it runs through a filter and it's actually more pure water than you can get in the bottles. But my mom's always yeah. telling me like, oh, yeah, the as know, long the, as you remember to change the filter in your fridge. Well, that's important, although usually yeah, now if once you every don't, 10 years, it just stops because it gets so clogged up. The water doesn't yeah. come out anymore. So that's that is that a good was feature. how I, that was how I found out there was a filter on mine. <laughs> You're like, why ain't the water working? Come on, yeah, pretty I want, much. I want water, but uh, and then and then and then the fridge ended up not being connected to water after the uh, the mouse chewed through the plastic line on the back, and and my fridge, my kitchen was flooded. Oh and, yeah, hey, we don't need this. I'm okay with getting my water out of the tap. That's that's reasonable. And you can put a filter under the under the sink. Yeah, we too. we actually we just keep a Brita pitcher in the fridge. Works great. Yeah, that works just as well too. But he likes the bottled water. My mom's always like. Yeah, I can get, you know, I got a 24 pack of bottled water for like $2. And then you think of the same bottle of water at the ball game where one bottle 
is six bucks and you're like, huh? I mean, I'm not a genius when it comes to math, but that seems like a really good profit margin. It is. It's it's called captive audience. It's like <laughs> it's- you need you need the water too, especially once it gets hot. And here in Chicago, it goes from winter to summer. I cannot believe it hit 78 degrees yesterday. Had to turn the air conditioning on the day before wow. the heat was running. I mean, it was it goes from it's one not extreme. even that warm. It's not even that warm in this room right now. No. I know it's 61 in this. I, I don't know. The springtime around here is actually characterized by going between winter and summer twice a day for a month and a half. So it gets really cold at night and then and really, it, it, well, it gets really warm. And when I say really warm, I mean, on the warm days, it gets up to 65. <laughs> See, you don't understand <laughs> what really warm means. I, that That's pretty goddamn comfortable as far as I'm concerned. That is uh, that is a Seattle type issue but uh you know if we need enough money to buy water at a ballpark we need a lot of experts to help us because uh you know we, yeah water yeah, ain't that, cheap. that minimum wage we keep pushing for that's enough to buy uh about a liter and a half yes yeah I, that's why i liked there was a game you know back before minneapolis had been completely overrun by loons there was a game they played uh the minnesota twins this was, I think, the year they opened up their outdoor stadium, because if you're playing baseball in Minneapolis, it was a really good idea to go from temperature controlled inside to outside in Minneapolis, which gets very cold. But that first year, I know they were doing freebies where they were giving away like coffee and hot chocolate for people that were at the game because it was damn cold. And that's like, the opposite of, oh, it's 90 degrees. Would you like a six dollar water? Bastards. Yeah. <laughs> Bastard. I, you know, I always I remember asking at one point, I'm like, uh, I, I noticed a pattern, but didn't really correlate it with anything. The pattern that I noticed when I was young is uh, is I said, Dad, how come the Super Bowl never comes to Seattle? And he says, <laughs> we're too far north. And he left it at that. And we stopped in. I'm like, but why? Why does that matter? And then I kind of looked and I started plotting all the Super Bowls that had ever been played. And they're always in Southern California or Arizona or Texas or Louisiana or or Florida or Georgia. Or and I'm like, they, they've never had a Super Bowl in Minnesota in February. And it took me a while to finally make the connection because. Nobody wants to be in Minnesota in February, not even the Minnesotans. No, no, it's a little chilly. So you want to stay inside. But that way, you know, again, genius. Let's go from a I mean, to be fair, it was a horrible inside ballpark. But in the uh, in the cold weather, it was great. I went there. It was I mean, I, it wasn't it wasn't the worst ballpark I've ever been to. I had a good time there, but uh, there are a lot nicer ballparks now. Unfortunately, yeah. Major League Baseball sucks. So unless unless somebody yeah. else takes them over, you know, I probably won't be uh, seeing any for a while. Uh, but we do work. Know. I'm, I'm I'm reaching the point where my favorite ballpark ever is was my little league park that was near the house where I grew up. That that was a good ballpark. Yeah, well, you can still watch games there. Uh, I don't know that games are being played there. Yeah, to feel the team. Make the make all the ball players swing the bat in masks. <laughs> like, <laughs> You run to first base and and you get tagged out and then collapse because you don't have any oxygen or something. I don't. Yeah, okay. Anyway, <laughs> we do work on the value for value model here on the Grumpy Old Ben's podcast that we learned from John C. Dvorak and Adam Curry of the No Agenda Show, which means we put these shows out. We don't charge you anything up front. There's no paywalls you have to get around. 
The content is there. And if you got value out of the shows, and if you're listening right now, it would seem you maybe got some value. It is your responsibility to decide how if, much value. If, if you're still listening more than almost two hours into the show, then you're getting value from something. Yeah, I know Phone Boy quoted you the other day on, uh, on the value people were getting from listening to the show saying, what's wrong with you? Why are you still listening? The, uh, the concept works well, though. We enjoy it. And you can go to grumpyoldbens.com for a link that you can donate a one-time or a monthly donation. You can get a QR code or the Bitcoin address. If you want to do a Bitcoin thing, you can get a snail mail address to send in whatever you want via the snail mail. No more Biden coins, though. Metis ruined that for everybody. I don't know why. And thank God. Thank you, Metis. (laughs) That needed ruining. Of the Fun Fact Friday show. But we do have an executive producer today, and it's our sole donor for today's show. So a big shout out to Lady Get Over It, who comes in with 100 bucks. I love that name. It is a good name. Lady Get Over It. I mean, I can see that's one of your favorite things to say, too. It's a name. It's a platitude. (laughs) <laughs> and it's, and it's, it's a floor wax and it's a platitude with attitude get over yes, it yes it is get over it and it, it's also advice that uh more than 50 percent of the people in on the internet need to start following more often yes you'd be much happier now that we found out only seven percent of people in the country aren't on the internet now we know why everybody's so angry <laughs> Right? Uh, no, um, I, I, no agenda social. Uh, a, a toot just came in from uh, uh, the person formerly known as Sir Truck Driver, who is now uh, now has a new name, Shower Curtain Liquor. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you do that, Brian? Why would you do that? No, that's not that's not good. Don't lick the shower I, curtain. See, that's me. I I am an influencer. I am a, a trendsetter. I'm the one who who sets what culture should be. I, I, no, 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 you don't. But Lady Get Over It has a note that says, Hopscotch, you're smoking hot. Trust me, I'm an expert. So um, when she says I believe you're, her. She is an expert. You know, when she says you're smoking hot, I think that she means me, though. Not. Not you. I think she, no, she was talking to Larry. This, the note came in early. <laughs> She's waiting. That's, that's very possible because Larry will be with us a week from today. But lady, get over it. We appreciate the donation. We appreciate you being the executive producer, the only producer that dare come in on this show. 149, 150 again would normally be a pretty spectacular episode in any podcasting run. It's one of those milestone episodes. The fact that the great John C. Dvorak, we hope, will be joining us and doing it on Thursday instead of Friday makes 150 pretty special. 151. I mean, there you go. That is that is the true proof of the uh, the, the number alcohol. of the rum. Right. So maybe we need some. Oh, ever, OK. We, you, me, Larry, we all get a bottle of Bacardi 151 and start drinking when the show begins. That would be a very different show. <laughs> That could be a lot of fun. Have you ever heard the term angry drunk? Yes. Yes. Is that where you go with it? <laughs> well, I'm angry sober. <laughs> right. Well, see, I figured that why you would be a much more um, friendly personality drunk. See, I figured you're so angry sober that when you have a few in, you become the guy that's like, I love you, man. You're, you're not. No, <laughs> you get you get angrier. Well, no, I, I, I can I can maintain the same level of anger, but when I'm drunk, all my inhibitions go away. 
And go ahead and make the joke about not using any inhibitions on this show. But trust me, they're there and you don't want that wall coming down. If you do want that wall coming down, let us know at Darren at Grumpy Old Benz or Ryan at Grumpy And be sure to tune in on Thursday for a very special episode around 1230 Eastern here on the No Agenda stream. If you're listening live, noagendastream.com, where John C. Dvorak will join us. And then a week from today on April 12th, which is the two year anniversary of the first two episodes of Grumpy Old Ben's being released, including our first ever live show on the stream with Larry Blydner. And our, which was our first live show on the stream, not just because Larry was with us, but the first live show ever. This it was the first grumpy old Ben's most people were allowed to hear. Yes. And it was before no agenda, too. So you were extra grumpy because that started at 7 a.m. I think your time. Yeah, there, there was there was coffee involved. So if you go back and listen to that episode number two, you can hear Ryan as the cranky guy that he is. So a lot of fun, yes. we believe, coming up over the next couple of episodes. I don't think we particularly need an index like, OK, here are the here is the list of episodes on Grumpy Old Ben's where Ryan was cranky. <laughs> Just all of them. Just listen to all of them. And no, you can I hear. wasn't on every episode. That's true. There were some good ones, including the one with Sir Gene, which is outperforming most yeah. other episodes this year. Although it was that Jane- one with Sir Spencer where Ryan was cranky. Yeah, that one didn't get as many. Didn't get as many on, but I'm I'm hoping that the John C. Dvorak episode will blow the Sergian episode so far out of the water that you won't even be able to see it. Yeah, we wouldn't want Sergian to get a big head or anything. No, if you have questions for JCD, send them in with a donation note and uh, maybe he'll answer them. This is your yes. chance to find out everything you ever wanted, and, but be nice. And if you have a difficult name to pronounce, we promise to make JCD try to read it on the show. <laughs> no, I mean, I'll just butcher it first so I can make JCD feel better. I'm, I'm pretty maybe sure. That's JC- maybe that's a better idea. And I'm pretty sure he knows how to pronounce all of these names of cities and of uh, just like surnames that people send in. I think he does it just for was, effect now. I was saying something the other day in, in the, the back channel, our IRC channel, where uh, I was I was talking about no agendas. Something happened on no agenda. And I'm like, well, you know, John did this and uh, you kind of stopped. It was like, if we're going to have John on, you're not just going to bust his <laughs> balls the whole show. Are you? You're like, maybe. like, well, I mean, not planning on it, but I do like to keep my options open. Right. You're like, let me tell you, I was, I've been listening to the show for uh, eight years now. And let me tell you why I don't like it. That's usually <laughs> <laughs> No, I figure, I figure we'll start the greeting with, uh, with uh well i don't always agree with everything you say john right he likes that um hey guys the there's a story that the great folk singer todd snyder sells tells that i'm sure he sells it too because it's on some of his uh from his concert recordings that uh, how he used to sit in a bar where like nobody would show up and he would play but there was just one guy that always showed up so he's like one day i figured i'd go over and say hi and i i did and i thanked him for you know always coming in to hear me play and he's like man i think you suck (laughs) and todd says you know (laughs) i knew what he meant when he said that i sucked but he wanted to go on and on about it (laughs) and i'm like i could see you know that in, in the right time that's people get into that mode and it's like it's not this is the world the social media has created now is you just don't want to say I don't like you or I don't like this. You want to do a two hour podcast and blow. Remember, 
freedom of speech means that you are entitled to your opinion and you are entitled to speak it. There is nothing in freedom of speech that entitles anybody else to that requires anyone else to listen to your ass. That's true. There is nothing that says people have to listen. One of the reasons why we appreciate that people listen to grumpy old Ben's Um, haven't quite figured out why, but I'm just going with it. We're just having you guys. Yeah. Two two years. You finally got a decent microphone on order. So it is on order. Yes. It's well, I I have a decent microphone right in front of me. It's really, it's better than 80% of the podcasting microphones in use today. I know. And I hate that they stopped making that microphone because everybody that would ask me like, what's a cheap USB microphone I can get started doing podcasting with? That was it because the microphone sounds really good and it was really cheap, like 40 bucks. One of the things not mentioned was uh, that when, when my new microphone comes in, uh, uh, my wife, who uh, of course is the one who controls the funding in our house and uh, is the one who authorized the investment in the new microphone said, uh, well, one condition of this is that when you get a new microphone, I get your old one. That sounds fair. Okay. I, that's fair. I, she, she's looking to finally replace the blue snowball. I mean, at least she's not looking to replace you. So there's, there's a plus. I know that's you that does that. Right. I've been trying for two years, but you know what? People send in applications and then they don't like the questions they get in the interview process. I guess. I don't know what it is, but no, uh, it is it, not a, it, not it, a Yeti. This is why I'm writing the questions. Yes. They are. You're right. That makes much more sense. And no, Ryan is not getting a Yeti, Sir Omaha. He is getting the Electro Voice RE320, the exact same microphone the Podfather uses. So we expect him to sound. As good as the Podfather, the Gene yes. of Sir Gene Speaks also there will uses. also be that vocal surgery, <laughs> right? Also need the yeah, you do need that too. But it should be a uh, a nice improvement along with a DBX channel strip. So you're going like full on radio, dude. You're going to sit down. Yeah. I mean, Go, going thing, full you, out. When 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 I got the the very last line that said how much it was going to cost, that was like, oh, this is full out. So um, no, no, you know, ask, ask Andrew what full out is. I, I yeah but i i i I listened to the last random thoughts and and all i can say is i am not a slut <laughs> not a gear slut people. yet i am <laughs> and i i don't i don't get that little sexual thrill from every time a new microphone shows up so when i got the the bill for how much this new upgrade is going to cost i'm like well there goes an entire year worth of grumpy old ben's donations well you'll but notice that the re320 is big it's black it's shiny it is uh, a thing of beauty yeah. and it weighs more than you think. Cause you thought you're like, I could just use this old, uh, this old, yeah, boom I've arm. got, I've got the, the old squeaky boom <laughs> arm that I've been using for a year. That sounds like this. Every time I touch the mic, that's I, don't know if that ca- I don't know if that's going to come through the noise gate, but I bet people <laughs> on the stream heard it. <laughs> yeah, I did. The, uh, there are boom arms that will not hold these microphones cause they weigh a few pounds compared to the USB ones, which are a few ounces. And uh, you'll, hopefully yeah. you'll notice a difference. <laughs> well, I'll give, I'll give the, the real gear review when the gear shows up. It's just on order right now. So that's something but, you can look forward to as well. I mean, now that the Bemrose microphone fund is kind of closed down now, there is the yeah. Bemrose bidet well, fund. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the bidet fund is still is the current push right now. But I did. I did promise that if we got to a certain level of donations, that there would be a new Bemrose microphone. And that's happening. And, uh, you know, let it never be said that I go back on my promises. 
Yes, and we do have experts coming in each and every episode. Some shows, of course, better than others, but we appreciate everybody for listening, for supporting the show, for reviewing it where you can. That's a big help. If you can review the show where you get your podcast and basically uh, telling people to listen, because a lot of people look at, yeah, I'm just looking through loads of uh, titles. What's grumpy old Ben's? We, we weren't smart enough to be like a weekly tech show or something like that, which it, may have been boring, yeah. but at least looking at the name, we could have, could have grabbed something catchy like this week in tech. Yeah. The cranky geeks. Well, I mean, Leo's maybe be out of business soon, so we can probably just grab that once. You uh, think that domain is going to be up for, for auction soon? Probably not. Pro- well, it depends. Now, he may be auctioning it because it would be worth a little bit of money, I would bet. It's hard I, to tell. And, and a little bit of money is about all he's got coming in from the advertisers these days. Well, yeah, because they finally realized that you cannot correlate. Monetize the network? Well, you... <laughs> Yes and no, but you can't. I mean, even dealing with just one show, you cannot make a correlation based upon downloads, based upon subscriptions, whatever metric you're looking at to that doesn't necessarily mean how many people are watching and paying attention or listening and paying attention. And there's a, we all know anybody, if it's if it comes down to like, hey, you'll get a million dollar contract. As long as you hit a you know a million downloads per episode, it would cost me just a matter of a few bucks to get somebody in India to put together a farm to download it a million times. Well, and there's also the 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 obvious engagement problem of uh, you know, when you have a call to action ad that's like you know make sure that you click on such and such a website, and then they go back to the rest of the show. Then, especially for people who are listening in the car or on the bus or something, they don't. They're not going to go to the website while they're listening to the show there. You know, and, and the chance of them mem- remembering later, you know, I, I, I'm not sure that I can name a single twit ad anymore. Uh, even back in the day when I, when I remembered who was advertising, it was only after they advertised about 20 different shows. That's not a great return on investment. No. And, and I will say too, I enjoyed the comment from our expert that was, I'm a podcaster. Why don't you have chapters? You guys suck. If you had chapters, it would be much more useful. And it's like, well, we, we do have chapters. We published the podcast index, the the podcasting 2.0 version of the chapters, which is the separate XML file. And if your app doesn't support those, then you need a better app. Yes. And well, the fact that he called it out as you guys are a podcast index 2.0, it's like, well, no, actually we are. So I don't know what you're looking at. The chapters are there. Use Podfriend. Or whatever, use, uh, yeah. you know, whichever app that you can find that you like that does the chapters that way. But they do exist. I recently moved from from AntennaPod to, I think it was Podchaser, not sure which, to another one. Because AntennaPod, I, I I like the app, but my God, their their update schedule is glacial. Hey. And I found I found the issue that had been filed four months ago saying you need to implement the chapters in a podcasting 2.0. And then the response from one of the lead developers was something like, well, we already support chapters embedded in the ID3 tag. And and, you know, we we can't be supporting uh, 27 different formats all the time. And it's just a fad and it'll probably go away. I'm like, well, okay, Or your app is a fad and it'll go away. One of those. Perhaps I use podcast addict. We have a 518 subscribers just in Podcast Addict, and we do have two reviews, including one from our buddy D.E. Metis, which says, 
a rant-filled romp through the intersection of tech and politics, and one that was a little more recent from a name which is anything in a pro pro, which uh, <laughs> says two guys talking about tech. Hell yeah. They only gave us four stars. So I guess we got to get better at talking about tech. Uh, but we appreciate apparently it. The, the hell yeah was not capitalized, I guess. <laughs> no, that uh, was just Podverse. Me. That was the name of the app I switched to. There's a lot. In case people are counting. There's a lot of apps. apps. And, and all I, three quarters of them have the word pod in them. So they should be pretty easy to search on the app store. Yes. The chapters are there. We will be adding in the value, which if you're a podcast app developer and you're not into the podcasting index 2.0 stuff, you're adult because this would be a case of they're cutting you in for a percent of everything that goes through your app. This will, if everything works as I believe it will, within the next few years, you'll be making a lot more money from that than selling a subscription or selling a paid version of the app for a buck 99 or four 99, whatever most of these sell oh, yeah. for that. This will, this will really be a changing I, I, of the guard. I I've still got some reservations and concerns the, about the, the podcasting 2.0 value system that they're pushing out. And right now the biggest impediment seems to be all technical, which is something that will get solved in time. Um, but uh, it, it, the, idea behind it is absolutely sound it is the idea that uh up until now in podcasting um you know the the podcaster got paid if they took ads and or maybe by donations and otherwise the lion's share of everything that was generated from from the apps from everything was all went to the to apple to spotify to the people who listed it to indexed it the gatekeepers yeah, the gatekeepers. And there are a lot of people in the chain of value from generating a podcast to hosting the podcast to putting up the RSS feed to building the app to having the listener. There's a lot of people in that chain, all of whom are critically important to create the experience. And one of the most awesome things about the podcasting 2.0 push is uh, something that's almost been forgotten before, which is uh, what if we take this stream of value and include the people who write the apps? Why did nobody ever think of that before? Right, because that would help keep them, as you said, up to date. There's some of these that don't have release dates, don't want to implement new features. This is actually a feature that can get them paid, which is a really good idea. And which are definitely the features that that cause more incentive to get implemented. And it also makes a huge difference for podcasts that want to have their listeners be the producers like No Agenda does, where they're talking about being able to do the value for value streaming of the currency, whatever that's going to be. Right now, they're using the lightning nodes, but being able to, oh, you did the artwork for this episode. Well, you get 1% of everything in this episode. And, oh, you did this for this episode. You submitted something we used. You get 1%. Yeah. I, why not? You get 1% and you get 1%. Forever, though. I, That's the beauty of it. It's yeah, forever. For, for, for as long as people send Satoshis to that episode. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's a thing of It's beauty. royalties all over again. It is. It's, but it works because this is going to revolutionize. And the podfather, Adam Curry, says this is coming. It's going to revolutionize music, I think, way more than it will 
podcasting because there's still a lot of podcasts that people are never going to make any real money on. And that's fine because it is a hobby, as Bandrew was just talking about in his latest podcast. Most people that sit down to create a podcast aren't looking to make it a business. They're looking to have fun. They're, they're looking to just get something off their chest. And that's perfectly fine. This is going to change things massively for music. And it's also going to change things for podcasters because it's going to make it easy if you don't want to set up a PayPal account and all this. It's going to make it easy for people to get you funds and it's going to be decentralized, which is also why I think Cardano is the crypto you want to get in. They're fully decentralized now and they're trying to take over the NFT. So I'm going to see if the Podfather can maybe work uh, getting Cardano streamed into this uh, podcast index 2.0 stuff. I'm down. I want some Cardano, man. Yeah. And and for the sake of wanting this to work, I'm going to go ahead and try to suppress my usual skepticism. I know you're always skeptical and rightfully I, so, I, because, well, when the first I mean, without going too far down that rabbit hole, the first concept of implementing this system, while there was only maybe, you know, 50 bucks moving around the whole podcasting sphere a month, the cost of the entry was either you pay somebody 10 bucks a month to do this for you knowing you're not going to make 10 bucks a month, most likely in what you're going to be taking in, or you buy a raspberry Pi or something like that. You spend about a hundred and something bucks to yeah. get the hardware, spend hours setting it up and then hope it doesn't all crash and burn because there are still people that are saying lightning is very insecure. Your funds could all just disappear. This isn't where you want to store your. So it's crypto. just like Bitcoin. Well, crypto is not that bad at this point, as far as having people hack Aren't you the one who's predicting it's going to crash to zero yes but not because of that okay so there's multiple reasons why uh which is why this the more i read about cardano i mean we're not giving you financial advice just do your homework on this every article i'm reading about this right now is like yep it's about to go up yep it's about to go way up and uh it, it has been very sideways since i put some money into it so that's also good because it's not bottoming out uh, and I think it's ready. I think it's ready to uh, to make a big move. And I'm an idiot about most things. So you may not want to take my word for it, but do some. Homework. I wasn't going to say it out loud. You do. But it's usually after the show ends. <laughs> uh, or we just edit that part out. Do you right. have anything well, you, else? Yeah, you always edit that part out anyway. Well, that's because you don't have you don't have control of the editing. See, that gives exactly. me <laughs> that might be where I screwed up. The ultimate creative control. You're like, <laughs> hey, wait, didn't I make a really good point in that show? The only thing I have control over is the chapters file. Right. And anybody, anybody who goes back to past episodes and reads the chapters links, you can tell exactly how how serious I am about making sure that the that the chapter titles are descriptive and useful. You can tell a lot about your mood when you're doing it. And uh, yeah, usually it's just it's whatever line from the, from that segment that I thought was most entertaining. I'm like, I just got to throw that in. Why not? But that's, that's exactly what works. This is a emerging thing when it comes to how this is being used. You could, but there are some podcasts that would work with, you know, Oh, part of conversation about this, but, this is a medium that the chapters are a brand new thing. And to me, I think people are going to be going back looking for the most memorable line. So I think you're hitting it right on the head there. If you're like, I want people to know where the good jokes are, where the the things they might want to clip. So here's a little hint. If you're thinking you might want to turn some people onto grumpy old Ben's, look at the chapters file, find something that looks interesting and just uh, send that out. 
Yeah. Or, or just, you know, recoil in horror. That works too. We get that sometimes. We appreciate either, actually, either reaction. Did you know that it can be dangerous to open a text file? No, that sounds completely wrong. (laughs) It's, it's, it's the, the, you know, I always bring the one uh, really techie story. Uh, and I always try to save it for the very end of the show when people are a little bit, uh, tired and not able to comprehend it. It makes it easier because then they don't uh, catch all of the parts where I gloss over some important technical detail. It, it reduces right. the fact checking. It's better all around. Um, no, this is, uh, uh, this is actually, uh, about CVE 2019-8761, which was a, uh, it was founded December of 2019. Um, so it's an, it's an old bug. Um, and it was already fixed in Catalina 1015.1. So if you are current on your Mac OS, this is a Mac OS thing. Uh, if you're current on it, then you don't have to worry about this one, but I found it to be kind of a fascinating bug anyway. Um, this has to do with, uh, um, uh, the, the default, um, what the, what, what's the default text opener, uh, text edit in Mac OS. Um, that comes with it, which, uh, unlike Notepad, which was Notepad was written in 1971 in Windows, and it's just the same software ever since. Damn, so, really? It's been around that long? No, <laughs> no that was hyperbole. <laughs> yeah, see, but now, you've been listening. It, you've been listening to Midas and Fun Fact Friday that explained that anytime his daughter asked him where something started <laughs> 1978 yes. right 1978 so it's like in oh. fact it was invented by joseph notepad in 1978 exactly that's <laughs> me answer it's the last name of whatever it is you're asking about in 1978 yes um no i i, I think the current version of i mean notepad is in windows notepad is just a. Uh, uh, a very thin wrapper around a rich edit control and rich edit controls were introduced in windows two or three and the current type of the current rich edit control with all of its, it, it, it's so fancy that it supports Unicode characters, but only UTF 16 um, and, and not things like emojis. Um, but I think it's the version from windows XP. <laughs> so, uh, but but here's the the important thing about a text editor, and, and uh, this is a prerequisite for any text editor I want to use, and I feel like it uh, is uh, it, it was violated by uh, text edit in Mac OS, and that is, if I use a text editor, I want you to open a file as text. I want to see the text in the file. So what text edit does is if you open a file and it automatically determines that the uh, contents of the file are HTML, then it tries to show the HTML contents. Ooh, no, no bad. And, and therefore it's parsing the HTML and that's where the problem comes in. So text edit, and, and this by the way is independent of the extension of the file. You can call it .txt, but if the opening of the file uh, contains, uh, you know, less than bang doc type HTML greater than, and then, you know, some, what looks like HTML tags, then it's going to treat that as an HTML file. Um, why is this a problem? Well, HTML has a, a very, very powerful method of bringing in other files. Um, so one of the first things that they discovered was that, um, if you put in, you know, they, they noticed that, uh, you can't just put in hrefs to, 
a file on the internet. It actually does block that. It only opens file URLs. Um, but if you type, if you do your file URL, uh, like file colon slash slash net slash example.com slash something dot CSS, um, then that syntax causes a different portion of the operating system, uh, to automatic. It's, it's called the auto mount system, which is useful for when you try to open a file that actually points to a remote, it will automatically mount a remote URL. So the result is that a particularly crafted text file. Now you open it in text edit and it will immediately try to download a CSS from a server on the internet, generating a server ping. Now you are automatically leaking important bits of information. One, somebody opened the file. Two, we know what their IP address is. Oh, and here's a fun part. Auto mount uses kernel calls because it's an operating system feature. Those kernel calls go around and skip any VPN or proxies, meaning that even through Tor, even if you're running the Tor browser or you're running a VPN, it uses your real IP address to go ping that server. From opening a notepad or a .txt file, um, and then uh, using um, another feature called iframe doc in HTML, um, which uh, it, it, it tries to open up the frame, and that frame has a source attribute. You can uh, have it open up your like file colon slash slash etsy slash password or, or something. Um, now it's displaying that file. In your document now, combined with some other HTML tricks, it's even possible to uh, use um, CSS pings to send bits of data from files on your hard drive out to the internet based on opening up a .txt file. And all of this because Apple decided that their default text file editor is going to open a file, look at its contents and go, oh, if it's a particular type of content like HTML, let's go ahead and parse it. Well, anytime you have a text editor, your basic text editor that tries to parse your content, now bugs in the code can result in a text file being a vector for attack. it is nothing sacred. Text files were always safe because you just open them as text, but apparently not. Yeah, you have to, uh, I guess, change the default. Or, you know, Apple is supposed to be so safe. We were told Apple, much safer than Windows. And uh, as an aside, Microsoft's Notepad, 1983, initial release, <laughs> author oh, Richard not- Brody. Uh, you mean not Richard Notepad in 1978? I'm no, shocked. But, but close. It is Richard Brody. So Richard was right. <laughs> there you go. It's uh, a, a, still a pretty damn long time to yeah. uh, to be around so, in the format that it is. So if you're freaked out that you can't open any text files, just understand that as of 10.15.1, you're patched. Uh, this isn't a huge deal. And uh, But I will tell you that during the time when it wasn't patched or for, for as long as this bug existed in text edit, um, I mean, I, I, I again, we have no way of knowing if it was ever exploited or not. Uh, I I'd never heard about this and and it seemed new. You know, the article that I got this from was uh, from a security researcher named Paulo Ciabello, and he posted it only a couple days ago. Um, so we don't know if it was ever exploited. It seems unlikely, but man, this is a big deal. This is a, this is a brutal bug. If somebody got into it. 
Well, I mean, the auto mount system is also not suggested for dating. It, it, it depends on what species you are. I guess that is uh, <laughs> that is always always to uh, be determined, I suppose. But I think that's going to uh, bring this episode to a um, a thud Yo, of an end. Probably quit while we're behind. <laughs> but a last reminder: Thursday, John C. Dvorak, Grumpy Old Ben's. At uh, about two and a half hours later than our normal live time and a whole day before our normal live day. So Thursday instead of Friday, April 8th, my birthday. What a great opportunity again to come in with donations to get a message on the show that JCD will be on. All sorts of fun ideas. Grumpyoldbenz.com and watch our no agenda social accounts and for my Twitter as well for you who maybe aren't on the Fediverse, but you should be on the Fediverse. For information on the Dvorak episode, we will post it as it is confirmed. With that said, and and for live updates, always be in the No Agenda troll room at noagendastream.com. That's true. That's where you'll get the latest information possible, in, in, including all of the this random swear words that you'll see come from somebody named Sir Bemrose in there who's like, why is the stream crapping out now? What the hell? I, I don't know why it, it hates me. Fuck it. I'm I'm rebooting it. <laughs> You know, see, I'm glad it's not just me because I had to do that before as well. There's a lot of rebooting of the stream going on. Void Zero. Where are you, Void Zero? I think I, I think the stream is trying to gain sentience here. <laughs> well, we should all be very careful then. Until next time, I'm Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of Middle America, just outside of Chirac, where the next time I'm grumpy, I'll be another year older, which means I'll be even grumpier. And from America's left coast, where we only engage in consensual auto mount. I'm Ryan Bimrose. Yeah!